Blog Talk Radio. show against Via. I mean, he put on a show. He had, uh, you know, he took some good shots in the pocket, took them just fine, I may add, and really put on, like I said, a show. I mean, it was uh, very impressive. Got the stoppage. We'll talk a little bit about the undercard as well. Um, Edwin looked pretty good. Uh, De De Los Santos, excuse me. Oh, wow. Ouch. Um, Sorry about that. Uh, I got a little distracted. Um, Ow, that really hurt. Okay, I'm fine. But, yeah, he put on a really good show. Could have maybe, you know, put on the gas a little bit more. We did have an upset, too. Taylor upset Yoel Gomez. I was a little surprised there. And then we'll talk a little bit about, well, in some folk, you know, the the folks around him, whether it's his promoter or, or whether it's his manager Lots to talk about there. What is he going to do? Is it is it as easy as just going to 54 and 60? Some people say go to 60, get a couple fights in. Um, beyond getting healthy um, and taking some time out, I bring up his manager because, you know, he's flashing stuff about the 154-pound division. Easy work. Let's do it. It's like, well, let's get him healthy first. Okay, let's worry about the guy's health first before we start talking shit. I'm not saying he can't beat anybody at 54, but, I mean, beyond having, like, a quality backup opponent now for every single uh, Ortiz fight, like I said, first and foremost, let's get him healthy because when you hear about not just feigning but needing mouth-to-mouth, like, that's that's wild. Um you know, he may need to just prove he can do it healthy. Like, literally, you know, take some time off. I don't know what that is. Is that three months, six months? Is it a year? I have no clue. But take some time off and then, you know, maybe do like, I guess you could, not a maybe not a full training camp, but almost to make sure you can make the weight. I mean, if you're actually going to try to make welterweight again, I think that's just stupid. I think 
that's a poor decision around him and his team. Um, but even 54, honestly, you may want to go through a camp to make sure you can do it. Now, camps are expensive, you know. you got to pay the, the, the sparring partners or whatnot. So that's easier said than done. And now he's not getting any money off this fight either, which was a nice-ass payday. So it's almost like you got to prove yourself. Like, uh, what would be a recent example? So this is a kind of a half-ass example, but I'm going to give it. Regis Progre started getting with Trishness, right? And they did like a little mini camp to see if he could make the weight just fine, and he could. He said you know, he could make 140 now for a while, ever since he got that. Now, obviously, this isn't a nutrition thing, but we always hear that, you know, the folks behind him in camp, his father and whatnot, that he just gets overworked. But, you know, the stuff he's dealing with is a serious issue, and you're going to work yourself pretty close to overworking. Now, you don't want to peak too, you know, early in camp or anything like that. You want to peak at the right time. You don't want to overwork yourself, but boxing in a training camp is about putting in a ton of work and pushing through a lot of stuff, whether it's minor injuries or just in general. Um, And the last part of camp can be tough making weight, regardless if you have this thing. So I don't know, man. We're going to talk about it. I don't know. Some people think you should go to middleweight and just get some easy fights and make sure you're okay. I mean, this is a this is obviously a very you know serious situation. But boots, who's next for boots? I mean, it just screams Stanonius. I know he hasn't had a fight in a while, and he probably wants to have a fight here soon. And maybe he wouldn't want to go right there with with Ennis. But he was about to go in with Ortiz, and he's no pushover, right? He was not the favorite in that fight. So um, I don't know. It just seems like boots Ennis. And Stanonius is, is the fight to be made. But there are some other fights that we'll talk about. Speaking of fights, there are some fights that are made now officially. Um, <laughs> but we will recap, and then we'll preview this week in the triple header on Showtime to Zone. Although, you know, a lot of their card got messed up. Baumgartner has a, a rematch against her only lost. So I think that's kind of interesting. Andy Cruz, the... Uh, the Cuban phenom making his pro debut against uh, Juan Carlos Burgos. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll preview and predict the whole weekend. And then, you know, like I said, we now for sure know, you know, AJ and White are fighting the rematch. Um, it is what it is. Does that mean, you know, they're going to push back the potential AJ Wilder fight? I don't know. Tyson Fury took a fight with a non-boxer. You know, it is what it is, dude. I don't don't know, man. I don't know how you feel. it. It, It's kind of weird, though. It's like, so this is in Saudi Arabia. Is this the same group, then, that was going to give them money to fight Usyk there? Or is this Fury just wanting to get a training camp in and have a fight, no matter what kind of fight? They say it's not an exhibition, but... Dude's an MMA fighter, obviously. Um, the WBC's okay with it. My thing is, if you're still an active fighter, I know a lot of people are saying, well, Floyd did it, Floyd did it. Yeah, Floyd did it almost two years after he retired. Now, we know boxers in retirement now, do, you know, it happens, right? They, they, 
have a couple of retirements. Speaking of Tyson Fury, he retired and then fought uh, uh, Jasora. You know, so maybe he just didn't want to fight this December and have a full year out of the ring and have to fight, you know, a crafty dude like Usyk. I don't know. I'm not saying he's ducking him because um, I favor Fury over Usyk, obviously, but I don't know. Are they going to push this fight? It seems like everybody's going to have a fight now. Um, you know, they had the press conference for uh, Dubois. Du du <laughs> du I always say the same last name. We just spell it different. But Dubois and Usyk is now going to happen. Um, I think that's on regular zone, though. Good news for us. AJ and, and Dillian White is normal uh, zone in the States. I know a lot of people are freaking out in the U.K., because that's a pay-per-view, I mean, you know, that's not a big surprise. But there are some other fights we'll talk about, some current fight news, and, of course, the boxing Twitter segment. Andy Ruiz, you know, had some words for Wilder. <laughs> Hopefully they can get that fight over the line. If you look at the, you know, AJ, um, Usyk, Fury, and Wilder, those are the four fights or four fighters that were supposedly supposed to match up. Well, three out of the four have a fight. Um, so hopefully we can get that Wilder and Ruiz fight now. Now that we know everybody's got a scheduled fight. Uh, and that would be the best matchup. I would think that Wilder and Ruiz is a better fight than AJ and, and Dillian White. In my mind. I mean, White's pretty much passed it. The last time we saw him, he was getting knocked out. Now he was getting knocked out by Fury. So that is different. It's been over a year since we've seen him. But... And don't get me wrong, Ruiz hasn't looked great of late. He did, you know, get the job done against Ortiz. Didn't look phenomenal, but I'd say there's just more in the tank with Ruiz more than Dillian White. So I'd say that's the best fight uh, on paper. Uh, if they can get it over the line, you know, there, there seems to be some negotiation issues. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess they figured, well, AJ's having a fight. Usyk's having a fight. The Saudis were like, fine, we'll have Fury over here and blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't know, man. It does sound like Thurman versus Ugas is going to happen. There is some, like I said, other fight news we'll talk about. There's also this little debate for ring, the ring belt. One against four. I think it was Tom Gray, if I don't. Maybe I'll go double check that, but I'm pretty sure he brought that up. We'll talk a little bit about that. Like I said, who will Boots Ennis fight next? He's got some worthy opponents. Hopefully he can get those fights. Um, but, yeah, we're going to get to it in just a second. We'll start in the ring per usual. Coming off a great performance from Boots Ennis. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope dope radio you don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open download the show directly there although that's cool if not you can find the rope dope radio podcast uh, platform on apple podcast uh iheart radio amazon Mo music player fm spricker stitcher uh google podcast among several other platforms while you're at it why don't you head on over to the grueling truth.com eastside boxing in phil boxing one more thing your TV, your way, direct TV stream, live sports, news, and on-demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. For a limited time, save 
$30 off your first three months. It starts at $64.99 plus tax for the first three months. Start a free trial today. Also learn how to new <clears throat> how new subscribers can join the priority wait list for a free TV from Telly. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So we got a lot to talk about, like I said. Um it was an interesting weekend, obviously, with Stanonius and Ortiz, you know, taking, you know, not going through. That was a big bummer because that was the, the best fight on paper as far as stylistically. And, uh, you know, the co- I'm talking about main events, obviously. Um, it, it was it, it sucked, man. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, I'm worried about virtual Ortiz. If you hear, like I said, his manager, but also Golden Boy kind of was, it was mixed messaging. Go figure. <laughs> you got Oscar, you got Gomez, you got mixed messaging. I mean, just with Oscar, he's a mix himself. No disrespect to him, by the way. They got an HBO documentary coming out. Um, so, you know, I don't hate Oscar whatsoever. I, I definitely followed his career. Um, now, was I... I was cheering for Pernell Whitaker. I'm not going to lie, but, um, you know, it was a weird, it was a weird shit. But when you hear mouth to mouth resuscitation, that and fainting and all that, that's, that's scary, dude. That's really, really scary. So I guess, I guess it happened Wednesday that he had to go to the hospital and whatnot. And it was that Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about that, but since that didn't happen, we will get to Floyd uh, Schofield. We will get to uh, Pachenko, who, who looked or Pachenko, who looked really good in that fight. I thought that was a good opponent for him. And of course, like I said, we'll preview the triple header uh, on Showtime, and then to zone that main event and yada yada yada, all that good stuff, right? But and of course, someone just <laughs> reminded me we'll get to some of that Haney uh, pro gray. Right, because the WBC came in with Sandor Martin and all that, and then the Shakur Stevenson supposedly he was offered twenty five percent in the split, which is really vague because we don't know how much the purse is worth for the fight. But he went to the WBC and petitioned, "Is that real, or is it like the kids say, cap? Is it is it like giving it your college try, your old college try? Like, hey, man." I tried to do it. The thing about the WBC, he's not even number one. Loma's number one. Now, funny thing is, in the WBO, he's number one and Loma's number two, if I, don't remember, if I remember correctly. So we'll see how this stuff plays out. A lot of that has to do with uh, Devin Haney and what his next move is. Uh, but we'll talk about it. We'll talk about all that stuff later in the show. But we like to start in the ring. Let's get in the damn ring, shall we? All right, so Ennis and Bia, we know Ennis coming off, uh, you know, I hate to say lackluster performance, right? But he's just put on so many dynamic, explosive performances, you know, in his young career that it was easy to kind of say that that was kind of a dud. A lot of it had to do with the style of fight that that Karen dude um, was fighting with. You know, now he wasn't cutting off the ring. The Karen dude was making it tough, and sometimes he was getting a little sloppy while he was cutting off the ring and getting tagged with some punches he didn't need to get. Whatever. We knew Via 
would bring more pressure, and it just, you know, it was going to be a style that would match up better for him, and that's what we got in the ring. Now, don't get me wrong. Via is a tough son of a bitch. You kind of knew that going in, but this dude, man, he was tough. He was tough. I mean, you know, a lot of times we'll hear about a broken nose like right after the fight. The next day they said he went to the hospital, had a broken nose. None of his team talked about it. You know, he didn't even know it, barely, you know, Um, because he took a lot of shots and kept on coming. And at times, Gave some good pressure, gave uh, Ennis something to think about. Um, but he took those shots really well. First round, um, I think Ennis came out in that the, the orthodox, had that jab going, very accurate. Um, Ennis also landed some good body shots, you know, hooked uh, to the body, and, and also some nice uppercuts. Um, I think Via had a nice, nice left hook. He actually kind of countered with it because, like I said, there was plenty of times where uh, Ennis kind of stayed in the pocket, you know what I mean? Um, But by, I think, the second round, he was already in the southpaw with the right hook straight left. That right hook or the left uh, uppercut right hook or straight right, the right uppercut left hand, I mean, he was kind of showing us everything. And... uh, took a while for Villa to really land much. I mean, by the second or third round, his, his nose is bleeding already. And, he, and, you know, Ennis got comfortable quick. Those rapid-fire combinations that Boots loves to throw, I was kind of wondering, like, I wonder, you know, how long um, it was going to take him to get that comfortable. And it didn't, you know... <laughs> It didn't take long, let's put it that way. It really did. It really did. He, he started going off. Um, and then I'd say in the third and fourth, the action was at a closer range. And then you saw Via um, have minimal success, right? He landed some uppercuts, um, landed some hooks, that type of thing. Um, and it seemed like at times Ennis would get a little, like in the fourth round, he got a little separation. It wasn't so close. So he was able to land a lot. Um, I would say the fifth round was the closest round. And if you're going to give him a round, Thea, I think you could probably give him this one. Um, you could see uh, Boots was jabbing really well, still going to the body, still landing those uh, hooks and uppercuts. But he was moving more. Like I said, this is a closer round. I think the, a few right hands and then combinations to the body and head probably landed like the better shots overall. So I'd say maybe the fifth round you could give Via, um, but that didn't last long. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I think, the left, yeah, the straight left and the right uppercut, um, overhand right, buckling Via in the sixth round. The legs looked kind of shaky for a second, following up, uh, you know, doing damage, really letting it all out. And, and some people called the seventh round a 10-8 round. Uh, multiple heavy hooks, straight left hands, like I said, those uppercuts. And, and by that time, you're just thinking this Via is a, he's a tough customer. I mean, he's taking it. Uh, he's standing there once in a while, throwing back and whatnot. Um, I didn't give it a 10-8, but I, I can understand some of that sentiment. In fact, 
maybe the eighth round, I'd say, was closer to a 10-8. Mixing up his punches, nasty body work, left uppercut, right. I mean, like I said, he was putting it all together, man. He really was. Um, and, you know, even in the ninth round, this is how Villa was such a tough son of a gun. You know, he still had moments of two-way. But, you know, Boots has dominated the action. There was a huge uh, right hand that landed late in that ninth round. But then the tenth round came around, and that that straight left right hook, uh, I think it was a counter. Yeah, it was a counter straight left right hook, knocked him down. He was down. He looked in. I'm glad they stopped the fight right there. And Boots got it done. You know, um, the crowd took a little while to get going. Obviously, uh, the co-feature was a little funky <laughs> with the style, right? But so it, it kept them a little quiet. But uh, by the time Boots got out there, I mean, beyond, you know, that lip syncing, uh, not lining up with the music <laughs> that they had going out. But the crowd was, was bumping by then. You could see it was pretty packed. Nice crowd there in Atlantic City, close to Philly at least. But, I mean, it was dominant. If you look at Jab, 63-8, to eight, the body, 62-12. to 12. Overall, just power shots, 164 to 57, 227. He threw through not even 10 full rounds, 622 to 481, but 227 landing to 65. Dude, that was nasty. That was a great performance. Like I said, Thea, back to the drawing board, but I liked what I saw. I definitely liked what I saw. And what's next? You know, um, like I said, the obvious one is Stanonius. Now, maybe because now he's got a – Boots is going to need some time. He probably won't be able to fight till later in the year. Do they just get Stanonius a fight in the coming months and then maybe first quarter of that fight? I don't know. Boots is probably going to want one more fight, I guess, you know, because that would give him three in a calendar year. But even if he fought in January because he – what was that? Mid January on the uh, on the Tank Garcia card, right? That was in January. So and he fought then. So this is the second fight, um, you know, through July. So he does sound like he wants one more. But I'm sure if it was a big fight like Stanonius and a meaningful fight, that that wouldn't be crazy to wait till January. It's kind of you know we'll see we'll see what what happens there. But that would be a great fight, obviously. Um, you have like the Cody Crawley type type fight. Um, that's not that bad. I, I don't have a problem with that stylistically. It's fun to watch, um, especially if he could, because then he wouldn't have to worry about Stanoni as, as far as you know waiting for him. Then he could at least get a fight. Uh, and who knows? Maybe he could be on another Gervonta undercard. You never know what Gervonta is going to do to close out the year. Um, who knows? So that's a fight that's there. Is that, like, ideal? No, you'd like them to get a, a bigger fight, but still, it's a, it's a quality opponent. It's a it's a top ten type opponent. Um, the big one, and he'd probably have to wait a little bit, obviously, but the big one, and like I said, it's easier to wait when you fought in January and you fought July. Now, if you could just get the, you know, the next fight by January or February, he probably would be just fine with that. Um but Thurman Ugas, the winner of Thurman Ugas. Now, I know what you're going to say. Are the tickets on sale? <laughs> you know, no, the tickets aren't on sale. 
Um, but it sounds like it's going to happen. You know, right now, the PBC, Showtime, Al Heyman, you hear little reports here and there. We have, I could name six to eight fights right now that are basically done and they're just going to get announced. Whether they're going to do a, a, a late August fall schedule and, and release it in, in three or four events, or they're just going to push them out, you know, one by one. I don't know that, but um, it sounds like Thurman and Ugas is done. Now, obviously, getting the winner of that would be phenomenal. And then you'd have more time go by to figure out, you know, Spence and Crawford in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I assume Boots will be there regardless, but, you know, who knows what happens in that fight. But we, it sounds like the rematch has a good chance of being at 154 anyway. And even if it doesn't, like, the rematch wouldn't have to have undisputed because you'd already, unless it's a draw, obviously, but you already have um, the lineal and undisputed thing so they could drop a title and have a title. And I think the winner of, like, let's say Thurman beats Ugas, right? Let's just theoretically say that. Well, I think if it's for a belt, right, I think Thurman would be like, all right, it's another belt. Cool. I'll fight him for that. You know, and, and even here in his recent interview that he'd be down for that. So, because he he wants to stay at forty seven uh, if he got his way. So um, we will talk a little bit bit about Edwin uh, De Los Santos, who looked really really good um, to an extent. Obviously, you would have liked to seen him put the pedal to the metal. Marquise Taylor pulled an upset. We'll talk a little bit about the prospects as well. Right about now, I do want to bring in John though to the fold here and get his take on, you know, what transpired this last week. And, of course, we'll preview and predict some fights coming up in just a second here. What's going on, John? How the hell are you on this Tuesday evening, my friend? Doing good, Chris. Uh, I think we've got quite a, quite a bit to talk about. There's enough developments out there that should uh, keep everybody uh, interested and occupied. Yeah, some development's great. Others, huh. Okay, I guess this is what we're getting type stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely have some uh, definitely have some takes on some of that. But uh, you know, did did catch all the Showtime uh, action this weekend, even including the uh, preliminary undercard on YouTube. First mentioned. You are breaking up a little bit. I can't quite hear you this right now. Um, I don't know if you can get in a different spot or something. or uh, I, can't, I actually can't hear you at all right now. I don't know if you can hear me. Um, yeah, I, I can't hear you at all. Maybe if you want to try call back or something or, or get into a deal. Okay. So hopefully we can get it going. That's just, that's a really weird thing there because usually um, it's like, all right, let's, let's try it again real quick. All right. All right, John, okay. you there? Yeah. It looks like oh, yeah, yeah. we just lost each other for a moment. So I'm back. Yep. Uh, so I gotcha. getting back to the, the showtime card. Uh, and then I was getting into, you know, we thought we also had Stanionis and Ortiz, and 
you know, DAZN have been struggling, not had been, they are struggling uh, in the U.S. I'll, I'll keep it to that because they're U.K.-based, and I don't know what their future plans are for the U.K. I'm, I'm guessing uh, they came into that a little bit later, even though they're U.K.-based, but that maybe that's where their focus is going to go. Why that ties into the Ortiz Sanionis, I think it's safe to say in the U.S., even all the hardcores are dropping their subscriptions and you know, one of the last attractive things was a fight like that, and, and that, that fell out. But so you, so you had the Showtime card to me in the spotlight. I mean, Showfield's a good fighter, and, you know, Joe, Jojo Diaz was a factor at one time, but that, that's not enough to carry a card, and you had a good Showtime card. So uh, just in some of those um, undercard fights you hadn't touched on, the main, the main undercard, I got – Got where I was real pumped up, real excited, but I did feel that there were some disappointing performances on the undercard, the main undercard. You know, Adorno, you've fallen short a few times, been in a lot of action fights, good pop, uh, had some amateur pedigree background, you know, East Coast guys fighting in Atlantic City. Thought this would be good one more opportunity and, you know, came in at 135, I think that was a good sign that he was taking it seriously, getting prepared, because when top rank dropped him, he'd been a lot of it was he'd been missing the weight. You know, he wasn't making lightweight. So I think that was a good size sign for his seriousness. But I think it ended up, at least in part, in addition to the fact that De Los Santos performed very well, that, you know, I'm not too big at, this when when guys just move up a few pounds in weight, saying they've got to acclimate and everything like that, gets overrated. You know, there's too many weight classes. But he'd been fighting over 135 and coming back down. Well, while that is a good thing, you know, it's where he should have been, just the weight he should have been making if he was in optimum shape. I think that was the case. But when you haven't been doing it for a while, and and then you're doing it. Then I think sometimes you know the the body's not not fully used to it. You know you're you're not having the strength because you haven't been doing it. Even though that's where he that's the weight he should be at. You look at his height, and he's he's not you know he's not that old. Even though he's been in a lot of fights that have been relatively speaking in the spotlight or some big cards so far. But I just say that because Adorno performed really poorly by the end as. The commentators were accurately saying, I think Abner Morris said it, and a lot of times they won't, but I like when they'll just say it and call it what it is. He had he had devolved into survival mode by the last couple of rounds. Uh, I did, you know, I usually like to see a finish, especially with a puncher like De Los Santos, but I agree with, I think, what the majority's take was on his performance. You know, he showed new wrinkles, and he showed pop. You heard Adorno even say in the corner that this guy hits really hard. And, you know, Dorno's tough ha- still hasn't been stopped yet. Um, Great body punch, so, too, with both hands. Yeah. Good body punching, a lot of punch variety. Did show intelligent movement as well, and the power was still there, even though he didn't get the stoppage. I did agree it was that the performance overall was really good. Didn't quite get the stoppage at the end, you know, did, at the end, but um, – he had Adorno into survival mode. Uh, he just swept all the rounds. Really good performance. You know, Showtime showed a, a graphic about Dominican fighters now, you know, doing their own generalizing. It's true. 
a, a good crop. I, I think that some history needs to be added, though. This is an instance where it's not overrated to say you got to give a lot of credit to Bob Santos. You can really see with the naked eye what he's doing with these fighters. And generalizing myself, if you look at the history of, of a, a lot of the Dominicans, you know, a lot of them would show maybe some good power, you know, fighting in the Dominican Republic against really low-level opposition. But then when they came over higher-level opposition, they were even if they were getting, you know, borderline top 10 or something, they, a lot of times you, you would see them getting overmatched. The skill level wasn't there. You know, there might have been a little bit of strength and power, but the skill wasn't there. And, and they would just you would see a consistent theme of them getting overmatched skill-wise, having fought the lesser opposition and not really gotten the training. You know, even a lot of times, because, you know, the island is, is so small, even though there's a sports history there, you'd, you'd see, oh, he, he was on the Dominican Olympic team, which, you know, in, the, in these smaller nations, it just doesn't mean that much. You know, it's not like say this guy was on the U.S. Olympic team or the, you know, the the British Olympic team or the Russian Olympic team. It's not like, so um, this is, this is something different, but I think it's not an overstatement. He's already gotten trainer of the year awards that it's really Bob Santos. These guys getting with Bob Santos, you know, like De Los Santos. And, uh, you know, we saw with Dominic and, you know, those guys are, each, each did pick up losses, you know, Damas and Teixeira lost where he got outboxed by Foster. But you've seen even since then the improvement in these guys. And, you know, Rivera, you know, when he came up against Martin, he did fall short, but he'd been fighting some good opposition before that. And, you know, to that shortly before that, you'd seen his improvement. You, you see, the, the, generally speaking, you're, you're seeing the Dominicans now – Get get some better training, get some all around skills developed better, and it is leading to what we're seeing. And you know, you got Elvis Rodriguez, you know, fighting this week, and he also fits the theme in the sense that you know, he, Kenneth Sims, who had a great amateur background, started out a little bit disappointed, disappointing in the pros, but now is fighting great. He's gotten it together. You know, he beat Rodriguez. Rodriguez has since bounced back with you know, wins off of the mothers and Dorno. And, you know, he, he's come back on a theme of just maybe a little stumble, but, but improvement, like you, again, generally speaking, you weren't seeing in the Dominican in the past. So I think De Los Santos is for real that lightweight. If you're not having him in your legit top 10 yet, I think you have him there. And, you know, he, he, looked, he looks for real to me. But Adorno, yeah, there were some people in the know who were picking Adorno for the upset. And, and I've always, Kind of like the guy because he's been in active fights. He's got some pop. You know, he's not old, so you figure there's still hope for him. But this one, I, I did end up being disappointed. He, did, he just didn't really look look like he knew how to attack, and um, it, he just fell short. And then you had in the you know fight below the feature, you had a horribly disappointing performance from Elvis Gomez. I know he didn't have many fights, but he looked. Or in some fights, he had the amateur pedigree in the background and uh, just um, ran into a to an awkward uh, an awkward type of style. Uh, somebody who 
came to win and came to fight. And, and But I, I was still I was still surprised Gomez looked. I know everybody is pointing to the number of fights, but, you know, we've seen how Morel looked. You know, let, let's say you have seen guys like Lomachenko. A lot of these, like I keep saying, you don't need necessarily a lot of these fights with no hope or you don't do anything for me anyway. So I, I'm not going to say, like, that's just why he lost. They just didn't, uh, you know, didn't, he may not, may not be as good as he appeared, he appeared to be because he really he never really got it going. Uh, even, even late, you know, they're employing with him to, to pick it up and, uh, just, just didn't happen. So that way didn't develop as expected either. So, you know, the first two cards, the fights on the main card leading into, uh, Boots and Via did end up being disappointing despite the fact that on paper they look like matchups we might get something out of. Uh, what were your thoughts on those uh, two main undercard fights, Chris? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, Gomez looked bad. He was missing shots. He he just, yeah, he's just looping shots, trying to go for just big punches and not really, uh, you know, not really – I'm not saying he wasn't trying to win the fight, but, um, yeah, I mean, the first two rounds, I mean, there was definitely two-way parts at times, uh, some good two-way stuff in the first round, but it kind of got some rough kind of ugly stuff pretty early, too. I thought Taylor, the left hooks uh, to the body were were the difference uh, in round one, but um, in that lead right hand, I think that, pretty much uh, did a lot there. The jab, obviously, as well. Um, And just he kept landing that big right hand on him. The jab in the right hand, Taylor did, and then movement, obviously clinching and stuff. Um, There were moments when Gomez, like in the third round, started to uh, trap Taylor on the ropes, but it just didn't land his right hook and stuff like that. But it just didn't look like Gomez would follow up on it. Um, left hands to the body, I thought he did pretty good, these little short hooks, but I think the fourth round was really close looking at my scorecard. Uh, I thought that, you know, Taylor, big right hands late, uh, and then tying up and moving was just frustrating Gomez, who thought he could just kind of walk him down and knock him out um, or, or something. Um, but, yeah, he was getting he was getting caught coming in with clean shots over, like I said, the jab or the right hand. And then I did notice – Looking at it right now in the sixth round, he found this little step step back at range uh, in land. I thought Gomez was like, "All right, this might he may have found something," and he did start to come on a little bit. I gave him I gave him the sixth round, but I thought the seventh and eighth Taylor came right back and just uh, that little quick combinations, just busier jabbing that type of thing. Um, I mean, I gave him the ninth and the tenth, Gomez. I thought he closed out. I thought maybe you could do six four tops, seven three, something like that. But um, yeah, he's just missing and just—I don't know. It just seemed like he didn't—he wasn't interested in winning many rounds until it was too late. Um, and uh, I think that's like his fifth undefeated fighter uh, on his resume now for Taylor. Um, and yeah, I was really impressed. I mean, he, he cleanly won the fight no matter how you scored or whatever. And he outlanded them and, and the power shots were big. Wasn't like 
you know, hurting uh, Gomez per se. But yeah, and it, I did think the Adorno that kind of threw me off that it, you know, he, he's kind of up and down throughout fights, but at some point it seems like, from what I recall, enough that he'll go for it, you know. And, it, and right. that definitely was not the case in this one. Um. I like De Los Santos, that range. He was fighting like a measured pace for a while. He was showing defense. He was countering a lot. I thought he looked really, really sharp. Like I said, I understand the folks that wanted to, him to step on the gas down the stretch. But Adorno was moving a lot from rounds 8 through 10. In fact, at the end, he was moving like he had the lead, John. You know, it's like, dude, you're not winning this fight. I don't know why you keep moving like that. But clearly, like you mentioned, too, that they said on the broadcast, or you could hear him say, you know, the dude hits hard type stuff. So uh, Adorno, you know, like fourth, fifth round started to pick up the, the pace and be a little bit more pressure, but he was getting tagged, so that just calmed him down. I did think the sharpness, uh, controlling, you know, the measured pace, controlling the distance, uh, cutting off the ring at times, um, jab, the right hooks to the body were nasty. I think that counter right hook and then uppercut, right uppercut, he, he did that a lot. Um, I was impressed with him. I mean, when you go, what was it, 10 rounds, right? 37 punches, John. <laughs> like, what the hell? 15%, 144 to 37. And, you know, through uh, through 10 rounds, 470 is not, you know, you're still a pretty decent amount at that point. Um, the body work, like you said, was really impressive. 40. He landed more body shots than Adorno landed punches in general. So I, I liked what I saw to De Los Santos. Obviously, you get him with a more aggressive fighter. I think it'll bring out, you know, a funner fight to watch. But I thought this was just a good, you know, he's gotten some nice wins. And I thought I liked this matchup, but he really one-sided it. I, I didn't expect it to be this one-sided. Like you said, in both these fights, kind of surprising. And, and, and there wasn't much two-way to be had. Until it was too late. Like I said, Gomez had a little run where he maybe won three out of four rounds, but it, or three out of five rounds down the stretch, but it didn't matter at that point. Yeah, I, I thought for Gomez, you know, middleweight is just so devoid of talent right now. I just thought Gomez missed a golden opportunity, and really you could say Taylor took it from him. I agree with you. Taylor clearly won that fight, but only one KO going in, and he dropped Gomez. I agree. I don't think Gomez was particularly hurt, but he did get stung one other time with the right hand. Taylor does bring a bizarre package where he's not a big hitter, but he's got really good size for the weight, for, for a middleweight, and he throws a lot of punches. And it's just kind of tough to deal with, but he only had one KO. But but here he clearly won the fight, so – Again, with a middleweight division where there's virtually nothing there, he, he gives he gives himself opportunity. But somebody as talented as Gomez appeared to be, he really blew it. But yeah, De Los Santos, you know, he puts himself. Was that the I think second round that he got dropped? I think it was around the second round. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was um, second round. But but De Los Santos, you know, he he puts himself in. He, he's right on the cusp of lightweight contention. He's looking. And look, even though it doesn't always hold, 
sometimes we have to look at when we get more information, how some, some wins or losses age. And, Chris, one guy you and I agree on is people got maybe a little too down on Valenzuela, and I think we see evidence of that again now that they got too down on him. I mean, I think anybody reasonable thought he beat Colbert, and he had De Los Santos down and in trouble when he got caught and knocked out. But, I mean, you know, with how good De Los Santos looked, against Adorno, there's not a lot of shame there. So um, don't uh, don't count out Rayo Valenzuela in lightweight division either. I mean, I think people are kind of sleeping on him already. You know, he's still he's still very young, and you look at that two lo- you know two losses on his record that you know one one could be a win, and the other one he had he had a he had a good fighter down and. Uh, you know, in, in trouble before he got caught himself. So I a big puncher. So uh, don't, but let's keep that in mind now that we have, you know, more to go on. Uh, getting to the main event, I, I think I saw pretty much like you did. Um, except I, there's one thing, I think you were kind of seeing it that way. I haven't heard people talk about that much. And I don't always give points for this, but I think it ended up in this case because Zia was so tough. It made Ennis's more performance more impressive to me because he did show some things in addition to the skills, the offensive firepower he's shown, and there's been no problems with his chin or anything. But this is this is what I saw, Chris, and it, it kind of fit in as you broke down the rounds, as I recalled it. And, and you always take ver- make very good notes of those, so I was listening to your breakdown, and it, and it did affirm kind of the timing I saw it. I actually felt like as good as Ennis had been doing. He was throwing a lot of punches, and Villa was starting to fire back more and more as we got into the fifth round. And by the fifth, he was throwing some good power shots back. Now, he wasn't winning rounds, but he probably wasn't looking to win a decision in this one anyway. I'm sure he he wasn't. And I thought at the end of the fifth, he was coming on, and I thought Ennis had thrown so much at him and couldn't get him out of there up to that point. I thought Ennis looked like he was starting to get a little bit winded as we got to the end of the fifth. And I thought, this is a 12-rounder. I wonder if this guy's just been so tough, and now he's coming on, he's starting to hit boots with some shots, that as we go, if, if this goes the ultimate distance, you know, getting into the 12th or something like that, that, you know, Ennis might have the tank get empty, but then what we saw instead in the sixth was Ennis hurt him the worst he had had in the fight up to that point. He, he That's when I really saw him for the first time really visibly hurt him, even though he had been landing a lot of really good shots. And then what I saw from Ennis that was extremely impressive, because I think he was just getting a hair winded at the end of the fifth. He hurt him. He had enough reserve gas tanks to then – go after him, build on that, keep keep his foot on the gas after hurting him. And he did that the rest of the way, getting to the stoppage. So to me, what I saw there that wasn't talked about, I saw a lot of stamina, a lot of reserve stamina from, you know, Jerron Boots and it's from that sixth round on after he hurt him bad. And that extremely impressed me because we know all these other attributes that he's shown and then I saw a lot of good stamina. He threw a lot of punches, and he ended up getting the stoppage against the tough guy and hurting him real bad at the end. 
you know, when he was really closing it out. But what I look, I'm not saying Villa was taking rounds or anything like that. But what I saw that a lot of people didn't seem to see, and, and I still feel the way it was going, was that, you know, it, it was, as good as Ennis was and was doing, it, it wasn't non-competitive. I mean, I know at the end, you know, Villa got taken out hard. And, you know, as we got really to the end, it was looking inevitable. But, you know, I, I, I don't think it was like a, a one through ten, this fight wasn't competitive. I'm not saying Villa was taking rounds. You know, through five, I thought it was a pretty competitive bout, and I thought Villa was probably he definitely won uh, round five. That's for sure. Yeah, and I thought I thought at the end of five, he probably was where he wanted to be. Not that he wanted to take punishment, but he knew he was going to take some. It was going to be that type of a fight for him, and he was starting to land more and with more authority. And I think he probably was realistically thinking at that point, I'm starting to wear this guy down. But then Ennis, you know, came out with a big shot in the sixth, hurt him as bad as he had in the fight up to that point. And then I saw some reserves from Ennis that he just kept his foot on that gas pedal. He had the stamina to do that, and he took him out. And now I think you look at it, you know, you look at the punches and the good punches Ennis threw from one through 10. And that was really impressive with all he brings to the table. So I don't think anybody is, he's one of those guys. Nobody's going to really want to get in there with him. You, know, you talked about Stanley Onis. I would think Stanley Onis is going to be looking for a different route. Um, if possible, uh, you know, if PBC comes up with enough money, you know, he, he may take that fight, but I don't think he's going to really want to do it. I mean, you know, you make a good point. You always have to remind yourself in these contractual deals. I mean, Spence and Crawford are going to have a rematch no matter what. Then these guys are going to be on the sidelines anyway. Um, and, you know, who knows? PBC knows they got a star with Gerard Ennis, and they know Ennis is, and, and they know Stanley Onis is a good entertaining fighter too, so maybe they can put enough money uh, to it. Uh, I think, I mean, really, the writing's, all over the wall, um, you know, there's always been rival promotions and, and there's always going to be competitors and competition around, but, and I think it'll tie into Chris, what you were saying, some about the heavyweights too, because I think PBC is going to want to cover all their bases. Let's say from like, you know, a hundred really like featherweight up through heavyweight, <laughs> you know, in the U S they're going to want to dominate everything they can. I, I just think, they they have positioned themselves now in the U.S. where, you know, they they can have a takeover, so to speak. So they're going to, you know, Ennis is going to be one of those guys, obviously, that's going to be a part of that type of thing. You know, you mentioned Thurman. Thurman has gotten that TV exposure over the years, does good ratings. I think he, he's more of a factor that way now than he is with all the layoffs and everything than at what point he's at his career. But I think PBC knows where he's got the value, where he's got some numbers. So, yeah, when you mentioned him, he might be in that. Um, I think ties him just in a real minor way with the Showtime card. In, in that preliminary undercard, they had Richard Torres coming back, a big heavyweight. You know, he's a U.S.-based guy. So you had heard some about him and then he had that draw with this guy Adams he was having the rematch with Saturday night and then took time off got his weight down even though that's on the you know prelim YouTube undercard you know PBC's got to get some get some heavyweight depth developed they kind of caught a break with a moral victory with 
Charles Martin fighting, you know, Anderson, top ranks, top U.S. guy, and and giving him a competitive fight, even though he clearly lost on ESPN. So, you know, kind of a break for PBC, even though Martin's 37. They've got to get some heavyweight stuff going if if they're going to really catapult this U.S. domination that I think they're probably starting now going into the fall. Um, But Torres, he got a stoppage, but he looked really bad before that. You know, he was the guy they were just talking about with a project but has some size, you know, and power. But he landed a big right hand, got a stoppage, but he looked terrible before that. Uh, So that wasn't really encouraging. They have Havanishan, who's looked pretty good. You know, he's going to be fighting in the Spence Crawford against Faust. He's the guy that was going to fight Martin. He Goosen trains him. I think they got hopes for him. I think you mentioned what then is the, the big void. You know, Wilder, just the last fight being Hellenius. Andy Ruiz, like you said, he looked okay against Ortiz. Not great. Nothing since. We thought that was the logical fight, but those two guys don't seem to, frankly, want to put it together. That's kind of the missing piece. You know, those would be PBC's top two heavyweights, the top two American heavyweights, you know, if you're not going to say Anderson's there yet. And, you know, if they could put them together, this this role PBC's on, that would kind of almost complete it. Like when you talked about what else is kind of going on or not going on in the heavyweight division, in other words, that would be something else handed to PBC if all of a sudden they put – Wilder Ruiz together in the fall, even though you got football going on, if if they've got the two arguably best American heavyweights fighting, all else they've done in momentum uh, to that point, you know that that's going to be tough. The top top rank's got that ESPN exposure, but you look at Haney. You know, you mentioned Haney. I'm tying in with stuff you said because I think it fits with my theme too. You know, Haney. He looked like he was starting to get a little somewhere with ratings, but it didn't translate. You know, he had a pretty good dance partner in Lomachenko didn't translate to pay-per-view top ranks, not pulling that off. Uh, Shakur Stevenson has been getting some ratings. I mean, you know, I think when it comes to bigger money fights, we know the belt, the alphabet belts aren't going to control it. They'll, they'll put them there if they want to. So, but it's not going to control things. So I think people make too big of a deal out of the, the WBC thing and stuff. I mean, if Amy, and Stevenson decide they're going to do it, it's going to be because it's going to bring in a lot of money, uh, especially the way Stevenson's been coming on in the ratings. And frankly, I would be with Shakur there. I mean, his ratings are getting up enough already that, yeah, Haney's, you know, the lineal champ now, which matters, and he's got the alphabet belts too. But, you know, Shakur Stevenson's not going to be taking some 30%. I don't even think he'd be taking 40%, frankly. Uh, So, you know, when it comes to those kind of negotiations, it's about the money, and that's that's what's going to control things for for making a fight. Stevenson's ratings keep going up. Uh, you know, he's he's based in Newark, you know, the New Jersey, New York metro area. A lot of people there, boxing tradition. So that ties in. But I think that top rank, it also ties into with today's news, I think. I think this is the part being underrated, uh, you know, Top ranks first. I did read. Coppinger says didn't specify whether it's going to be the pay per view or, or just regular plus. But uh, I can fill in that Dubois and Usyk's going to be on ESPN plus. So, like we've said before. Oh, okay, rank, I must have read it wrong. I thought someone yeah. said the zone, but okay. Either way, well, it's I not going to be a, a pay per view here. 
kind of thinking, I didn't sound like it, but it wasn't specified for sure. And you can get unpleasant surprises there. But where that ties in with what I'm talking about is, you know, PBC's got this momentum, what they're doing, top rank, you know, all reports have always been since they got to deal with ESPN. They have the the approval of what's going to go on boxing-wise on ESPN or not. You know, ESPN obviously decides that they want to, you know, pay for some boxing programming or something like that. But when what boxing programming then is going to get on there, top rank makes that approval. So, like, when a Usyk Dubois, you know, Dubois is with Warren, who's affiliated with top rank in the U.S., so – they, they've decided that's what their theme. They're going to at least want to throw that on in the afternoon in the U.S. And what I was getting to was the big news today about the Fury Ganu is it seemed to me that ESPN was all over promoting that already uh, today. So, you know, when I started thinking about it from their perspective, you know, they're not going to say this, but you kind of can't blame them. If, these, if when Top Rank has gone with these pay-per-views like Lomachenko, Haney, and those Crawford pay-per-views, and they've disappointed. You know, ESPN's also in the MMA, the UFC, where, of course, Nugano made his name. They might be saying, hey, you know, if Fury Nganu is a pay-per-view seller for us, we don't care. You know, you know, we've put money into Tyson Fury. We've put money when he was in the UFC in Nganu. We're all in, you know, and I think the fans got to look at stuff like that. I'm – I wish Fury had fought some better opposition before this, but this thing in and of itself, I'm not down on like everybody else. I'm not going to say it's going to be competitive, but to me, if it's got a decent exposure time in the U.S. with, you know, Ngannou becoming known through the MMA and Fury becoming known through his fights with Wilder, he's had plenty of U.S. exposure I don't see how it hurts the sport if it's full boxing rules. You know, even though people might hate it, you know, you want to have 12 rounds, not an exhibition, lineal title on the line, because I think that makes it more of a seller, you know, even for the MMA fan. Uh, I'm thinking I don't see how it hurts boxing. I'm I'm not going to complain really because I don't really like who Usyk's fighting. I don't like who Joshua's fighting. I don't like Wilder not fighting Ruiz not fighting. You know, there's. I'm not making excuses for Fury. He's the lineal champ, but there's plenty of blame to go around. And it's just to me like a Mayweather-McGregor thing. You know, if they want to fight boxing rules and make it not an exhibition, I don't see how it hurts the sport. I mean, how the heck did Mayweather-McGregor hurt? It didn't hurt. It helped. You know, what, 4.5 million buys? So uh, I think that there seems to me to be a thing where these MMA fans, they can't get it through their head that their guys' hands aren't as good as they think they are. And that seems to bring the sales, Chris. I, I don't know what you think about that, but it did a lot with the – think of those sales with Jake Paul with washed-up MMA fighters. I mean, this is a guy who's just recently off the pinnacle of UFC in the heavyweight division. There's going to be you know, MMA heads. Who are going to say? Who just can't accept that their hands aren't as good as they think they are? Who are going to buy this? You know, um, I, I'm not saying it's going to be a monster seller, but you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see how it hurts. Even though there's, we'd prefer some good heavyweight boxing matchups, but well, especially with Saudi paying for it, that does help. Right. If Saudi's right. paying for it, you know. 
Right, right. I mean, look, now let me be fair. It was such a great idea if it would have been Fury Usyk, Joshua Wilder, which the Saudis were, you know, it, it appeared it was serious. You know, like I said, I was even reading in the New York Times about that Tom Friedman article, you know, Minnesota, famous Minnesota writer, uh, about the Saudis, what their plan was and why they were doing things like that. So the money's there. I just think that these, you know, you know, boxing, I'm just guessing the four fighters involved, they couldn't, they couldn't pull it off. So they went with this. From what we're hearing today, you know, Fury's involved, and you you never know with Fury and something like this. But ESPN's all over it. I I am making note of that because, you know, in the U.S., you know, Fury's with top rank uh, with the Warren affiliation. So it seems to me like they're into it. So that kind of caught my eye. Um, But I don't – I don't – if that comes off – I don't want an exhibition. I mean, that doesn't do anything for me. I'm not saying this is going to be competitive, but still – you, you need that mystery there, uh, at least have the lineal title on the line. I mean, if it's going to be an exhibition to me, I don't, I don't see where you want to go into your wallet for it. I'm not saying a lot of boxing fans are necessarily going to want to anyway, but I mean, like the exhibition thing is just head scratcher for me. I'm not, you know, that, that doesn't to me have any buy interest, but uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it might be a little bit part two, that you know, PBC is making this big move, and you know, top rank at this point being their main U.S. competitor, they kind of they kind of have to respond. And and you know, let's face it, they are being somewhat realistic there. Fury Usyk's not a big U.S. seller. We can hate that all we want, but it's not. And you know, that's important for fans in the U.K., Europe that that aren't as familiar with what's going on in the U.S. to realize whether you think that's right or not. It's not. You know, of course. Wilder Joshua could sell because Wilder's in it in the U.S. But Fury Usyk's not a not a, it's just not it's just not a big U.S. seller. You and I have said that. So I think you know maybe behind the scenes, a little bit the top rank ESPN saying we got to get some stuff going here. Maybe that's why you did hear these you know Shakur Haney talk today. And like you said with the Shakur Haney thing, it's really tough to know about percentages and all that if we don't know what the pot is. And, you know, that whole WBC thing, you know, I understand him petitioning it and and they're bringing up rules and all that for 50-50 and all that, and he he deserves this or that. or But he's not even – and it really doesn't matter, actually, because they can – as long as you're in the top 15, they can call – whatever the fuck fight they want, right? But he's not even the number one ranked guy, and they're not calling him mandatory right now. So maybe maybe that turns out, I don't know. Because um, not long ago, he was trying to get the fight, like two days ago, he was saying, hey, Loma, you know, let me know when you're going to be back. I'll fight you, because that's kind of the fight I think that they go to. But, yeah, it's really hard right. to know until you know the purse as far as the split and what's right and what's wrong and all that. If the guarantee up front is healthy, then in the end, you know, he may have to take a smaller percentage uh, and maybe not get 50-50, maybe not 70-25, like you said. Um, Any other notes? Uh, You know, Floyd Schofield fought, as did um, Pachanko, too. Well, any any other thoughts from uh, from, from the weekend? Yeah, I, I do think he's I do want to get your take on Stanonius, the, the scenario, not Stanonius, but after this, sorry to cut you off, but 
the whole take on Virgil, like, it, it's a touchy-feely type thing, you know, for how, what he can do moving forward. But go ahead. Yeah, let's, well, I, yeah, I have thought about that a lot. Let's kind of address some things. First of all, from making your picks, if you just like making picks or if you like to do a little entertaining gambling, um, you kind of want to do the post-mortem because we didn't know exactly. It ended up being both guys had had some health problems, but or problems, I should say, uh, you know, with Ortiz in addition. Um, and it turns out Ortiz's weren't all solved and, and okay. So, you know, that's something, let's say, a week before the fight even, word wasn't out on that. And if you would have gone all in on Ortiz and the fight would have come off, maybe he would have had some problems. Um, this is where I like to go. I, I think I've mentioned this before kind of in my litigation legal perspective where we have to litigate medical issues. And normally let's say I would be on the side of like a plaintiff, you're, you're trying to prove a medical issue or a condition or, or complications from an injury. So let's say in this instance, that would be kind of like on the Virgil Ortiz side. Um, you know, if, if you're in a litigation situation, like a legal situation where he had to prove what he had, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to have to either produce medical records or give medical authorizations when they can go all into your records. Uh, testimony of his father is not alone going to be enough without expert doctor testimony and things like that. So you kind of know what I'm getting at is, I'm not saying Virgil Ortiz doesn't have this condition. He may very well have it. I'm not even saying, you know, his father may not be telling the truth. I mean, he might very well be telling the truth. But we don't, you know, Golden Boy's got this, you know, he, he, there's a there's a fight with a guy set with who usually is with a rival promoter. It's been set a few times. And just a couple of days before the fight, Virgil Ortiz is pulling out, okay? You know, that that's not going to be just taken automatically on face value. I'm not saying there is any litigation in this fight over this issue, but I'm just saying if there was. Um, and, and, you know, that's where we are, frankly, dealing with a little bit of a of boxing journalism. Just You just got to say it. Um, because you have boxing writers who are just saying – well, this is what, you know, Ortiz's camp says, you know, this is what his dad says. This is what Golden Boy says. Did you go check with, you know, did you check with anybody else? I mean, you know, oh, this is just what, Gold, this is what Golden Boy told us. Well, of course that's what, Gold, you know, of course that's what Golden Boy told you or Ortiz's camp told you, but did you check anything else out? You know, did you, did you go to Stanley Onis's camp and, and see if they heard it? You know, did they hear anything else? Uh, did, did they have something to say about it? Um, you know, again, we've said this before, Chris. I mean, it, it does, you know, have we seen, you know, has anybody seen medical records? Um, just say it, it could all be true, but, you, you know, especially like with journalism, I mean, there's there's got to be at least some investigation or or some degree of skepticism, at least investigating before you find out for sure. So I, I'm, I'm not saying everything with Ortiz might not be the case, but, you know, if you have a condition like, you know, like they've said, and I'm not saying he doesn't have it, they found out three days, was it three days before the fight? 
you know, three days before the fight, he wasn't going to be yeah, able to go. Yeah, something like that, yep. You know, when it's happened before, I mean, in other words, you know, if the chronic, you know, the chronic condition was, was great, you know, the, what, what, you know, what was the doctor's take on this? Did they say, you know, or the commission, did they, you know, did they, anybody check this out? I mean, so he's had this before, so he was approved medically to fight, you know, I mean, it was a few days away, you would then say you assumed he was. So uh, what, you know, what happened? What changed, you know, what changed here? Um, I would say, you know, I did throw out there, I'm hopeful, you know, if he wants to, that this condition doesn't prevent him from fighting again, it would seem with what's just happened a few times that moving up just a mere seven pounds to 154 pounds would not be enough to me. I, I, I wouldn't think from the outside you would feel comfortable with that. We've documented how there's absolutely nobody at middleweight and nobody really stepped forward, you know, with Gomez and Taylor, you would have thought that would be Gomez. He took a step back. Uh, I would think if you're Virgil Ortiz, you know, Golden Boy needs to get something going. I mean, maybe there's nobody there, but at least in that sense, you can start clearing things out. You know, why not go up to middleweight? I mean, you know, if, 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 if 147 is that much of a problem, what, you know, people were automatically just knee-jerk saying, oh, 154, what's that going to do? You know, if he's having this kind of problem when he's trying to make 147 pounds, 154 is not going to, you know, 154 is not going to be a safe space. So I don't see that myself. I don't see that being an answer if this condition and losing weight and stuff, if, if that is all the problem here. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying this is the case. So Yeah, you might as well be uh, safe and just do 160. And like you right, said, and then like, maybe yeah. you could trim down possibly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So here's the other thing. Now, you know, the WBC does this. Well, and then um, – that's right. We just had the Mauricio Lara where the BB of C does this. You know, this is the thing where that sometimes is kind of helpful. Just to, this, it would have been in a situation like this, you know, so this was what, you know, I don't even care about the alphabet nonsense, but this was for what WBA, a WBA regular about uh, a WBA regular mandatory or something, you know, crazy along those lines. Um we didn't have that way in. So what, what I'm, this is speculating, but like, we don't know what Virgil Ortiz's weight was 10 days before the fight in this one. Right. I mean, you know, there's just, there's just things we, we don't know. So, I mean, I, I wish him, I wish him all the best. If he's just having trouble with this condition and it's threatening his career, you know, I hope he's healthy. Hope he's healthy no matter what, and wish for the best. And if he wants to continue fighting, that he can. But you know, there, there's got to be. There, I don't say there's got to be because there's really not here. But there should be some reporting out there. You know, there, there really should be a little bit more digging, a little bit more reporting. Not just quotes a, from the team and the manager yeah. and the yeah. <laughs> the, the reported quotes from the team, the promoter, and the manager. How many times has this happened? I mean, somebody. Call up some other people, you know, even if you're just calling some, some other non-biased sources who might have information. Right. Uh, that would be better than – It's kind of like edit. getting the pay-per-view numbers, getting the pay-per-view numbers for a PBC fight from Bob Arum. You know, it's like I'm not sure if that's going to be right. the best source, you know. Yeah, it's like 
literally what we're getting here, let's face it, is we're, 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 we're basically getting Golden Boy issued a press release. You know, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's you know, it. We, we need a little more than that. You know, that's, that's what they're saying. And I think, look, it's not picking on them. Golden Boy's got to be in all kinds of trouble right now. Like you said, I mean, hey, Oscar fought everybody as a fighter, you know, U.S. Olympic gold medalist. He was able to get into the promotional world uh, after his fighting career. So, you know, there's some good things there. And if you want to take, you know, his side of the story, but hey, in business, this can't happen. It's reasonable. You can see both sides, but, you know, a lot of the Al Heyman guys were his guys, you know, before they broke off with Al Heyman. So, you know, he's done a lot of things in that sense, but with that understood, I mean, this DAZN thing in the U.S. is on life support. And, you know, he's got the problems with Ortiz. He's gotten Ryan Garcia trying to break the contract. Munguia just had a life and death with Zerovayanchenko. It's, it's, it's a dire strain. It's not looking for, good. It's not, I mean, Golden Boy and, and DAZN. He has really no date, no budget. It's all month by month with DAZN. You know, it's just right. crazy. Yeah, match from the U.S., you know, that, that to me looked like a Hearn float. You know, if Hearn's floating out pro-gray Sander Martin, no thanks. Uh, you know, that that guy, I'm in the camp because I'm not the only one there. Now, there is a, a split of opinion. And I know, Chris, you're sensitive in the sense that, and I agree with you, it's not trying to knock every, anybody, you know, everybody who boxes. I mean, it is the, you know, the, the art of the, – the manly art of self-defense and the sweet science. So, you know, you can box and you don't want to be taking punches. It's not good for your health. But with that understood, you know, we have to have a sport as entertainment and fighting. And, and for me, Sander Martin is one of the, the, the dudes that's kind of on the other side of that line. You know, we can't, we can't have a sport watching Sandor Martin fight. So if her, if her, you know, pro gray. They're not going to put up much money for that either. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, Progray is getting to an advanced age for a 140-pounder for his height. And, you know, to see him chasing around Sander Martin on DAZN, where you got to subscribe, and it's going up to 22 bucks a month if you do the yearly. I mean, forget it. You know, come on. That, that's DOA, you know, going with the troubles Golden Boy's having. So it, I won't speak for the other countries. And, you know, DAZN's based in the U.K. They may, they may have a U.K. plan, but I – I think the U.S. plans on life support. I mean, we do know. Let's face it. There's really no U.S. plan for getting signatures. This going up to twenty-two bucks a month or so on the yearly is not a plan. With what they've got, is not a plan, uh, and they're not going to have Canelo. So uh, it's not a plan. Uh, Progre is a, is a good fighter, and even though he's coming off one not entertaining, normally an entertaining fighter, but. You know, like like talking about him fighting Martin, uh, that that's about as as bad of an idea as you can get. It, it seems like Hearn. I don't know if this is the direction he gets from the zone. I have a tendency to think though it's his own biases when you look at where he likes to. You know, you know, you know. Obviously, he's a UK promoter, but just really focal, and then like that. You know, because Martin is a European, that you know he he feels like that's kind of crossover. Like you know, he's got Pro Gray, the American guy, because you know he was doing that with those Canelo fights with the British opposition. Let's face it, you know, and he and he was trying to do it with a European guy, 
in Bivol, and, and you know Canelo ended up picking up the loss. But you know, he, he kind of likes to cross it over like that. But but those are not fights with U.S. appeal a lot of times. So that doesn't work for me. You know, like you, you put Pro Gray in with Sandor Martin. That's that's not getting any DAZN subscriptions in the U.S. So uh, I I think the thing's falling apart. I can't see in the U.S. it going much longer. And I think even though Top Rank's got ESPN, they see the juggernaut PBC is launching right now, and and they're probably in the early stages of saying, hey, you know, if we're, you know, we're going to keep going here. We have a bigger outlet, but but we're going to have to respond and, and get some ratings here because you know if, if our fights aren't as compelling as they should be, and they're they're starting at eleven thirty in the east in the U.S. I mean uh, that that's not that big of a punch. Yeah, I mean, that Virgil Ortiz, like I said, at minimum 154, maybe 160 because of the landscape, like you said. Um, How long do you rest? You know, that's the thing that we don't know about this this stuff. But, you know, we hear about being overworked in camp. Um, Some people say you should just retire, given the gravity of this quote-unquote condition. Um, obviously you gotta, you gotta get healthy right away. And it's easy to say, why don't you just have like a little mini camp and make sure you can make 154. Okay. But that stuff takes money. So maybe it should be 160. Like you said, take on a decent opponent, um, that, you know, you can beat if we're being honest and, and, and just see where you're at. Because if in, I just, how can you be a, just to go off what you were saying, how can you be a pro boxer and have that, you know, that that issue? Like, it basically is the conditions that cause your muscles to break down, which leads to muscle death, which then happens, you know, the muscle fiber and the circulation and the kidney issue. And, you know, it's, it's you hear a bunch of, heat, you know, three ways it can really come up, a heat exposure, direct trauma, and uh, physical exertion or overuse. And it's like, well, that sounds like training camp. And not only that, it sounds like training camp. But the thing that makes me not necessarily question it, but since, like you said, we don't have the exact evidence in front of us to know exactly what it is, maybe he hasn't been in a tough enough fight, John, but wouldn't that shit happen right in a fight? Like, heat exhaustion over you know overuse of your body like you could faint right in the the fight then if this is what you truly have i just don't know how you could make it through training camp in a fight if this is what you actually have and maybe like you said it's just that he's a young guy he's overgrown in the weight he he shouldn't be at 47 anymore you know we hear about the camp about, you know, how he gets overworked and whatnot. But that's part of his responsibility, too. Um, And just to kind of catch up, we did hear Shelly Finkel say he was informed earlier today, and I think that would have been on – let's see here. Let me get the calendar out just to make sure. That would have been – that would have been on Thursday uh, today. This is when Dan Raphael quoted it. Um, that Eric Gomez, the gold boy that Virgil Ortiz had fainted, was hospitalized, and that their fight Saturday is off. So obviously it's the third time he's done this. I just, 
how can you have a career if this is what – and that's why I do. I'm not saying 100% that we doubt it, but we'd like to have proof because if this is what you have and this is exactly diagnosed of what your issue is with your body, you might as well retire then because otherwise some serious shit's going to happen, not just at camp, not just at the weigh-in or before it, but in the fight itself, and that's what makes me kind of question if he actually had that, you know? Yeah, and then, and why so close to the fight? You know, why why would why would this decision or, or why why would this have happened? You know, again, we don't know. You know, but why would this have happened so close to the fight? Um, and and that's the thing. Then you get to if he has that condition and that did happen that close to the fight, can he continue as a pro fighter? Um, and, and but then the zone has other problems like. You know, so let's just even say Virgil Ortiz has the condition, and for whatever reason, it's happened right before the fight. Because again, in theory, the Zone is a subscription service. So, so how is a subscriber going to come on board for an announced Virgil Ortiz fight? I mean, we know this is all hardcore fans anyway. I mean, what what faith could the hardcore fan have that that fight's going to come off? Um, that's a problem for something like that. You know, it's not like he's on regular TV where you don't have to subscribe. It's a subscription thing. So um, I just think a lot of a lot of problems for for Golden Boy and, and Matchroom if they're talking about fights like Pro Gray Martin, the um, zone U.S. strategy. It just it just seems to be at the end of the line. Yeah, it really does. It, 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 I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. We, we just don't really know. And, you know, we, there is some more quotes out there by Shelley, and, and, and even Stanonius said he's going to tell the real story. I don't really know. I mean, these are just quotes and whatnot. Um, like I said, reading more of that, when he said Eric called me on a Thursday and said Ortiz's team called him Wednesday night, it said that he fainted, blah, blah, blah. Um, he said, I believe Eric was stalling. Come on, the fight's off. Eric said it happened um, Wednesday night. He never had the courtesy of telling me until the next day. That's not right, blah, blah, blah. So I, I don't know, man. It, it's, like I said, the mis- mixed messaging. And then you got his manager out here, you know, basically going on boxing scene. And, and you know how they'll have the rankings on boxing scene, and he'll be like 154, easy work, let's do it. And it's like, well, dude, like how? So this isn't serious then? Like, I, I, you're making it look like it's not serious if you're already ready. Okay, let's fight him. Right. Let's let's, let's fight him in a couple months. You know, it's like if he had to have, if that's a true story about the mouth to mouth resuscitate. I mean, that is like beyond. So that's not just feigning from uh, I've never heard too many people that needed it if this actually happened we don't know we don't have video or nothing um, hopefully someone asked Virgil at some point but if you're doing mouth to mouth that's beyond uh, losing weight and fainting like fainting shouldn't have anything to do with mouth to mouth if you're just dehydrated yeah exactly I mean you know, how, how can they be talking about 154 if, if he, he got CPR 
you know, he had to get CPR and, and rush to the hospital. You're, you're absolutely right of you. How, how can people in his camp be, be talking about 154? Yeah, it just doesn't. That part just doesn't make any sense. All right. Um, any? Uh, let me know if you do want to talk about any other items with the prospects. Otherwise, we can get to this weekend where we do have some action. Um, you know, on, on the main events, a lot of people think they know where it's going with Frank Martin uh, against Arch. I think it's Archiam, um, the, the first name anyway. The Nonino Donaire in Santiago, that's an interesting fight. One, um, at some point, you know, Donaire always has that left hand. Um, but at some point, you kind of fall off the ledge. Maybe it's this fight. If you look at where the the betting odds are that they have this as a, as a pretty competitive fight. Um, Elvis Rodriguez, as long as he throws uh, enough punches, um Throws his hand some. He should be able to beat Postal. Um, the pro debut of the Cuban sensation Andy Cruz against Juan Carlos Burgos is kind of interesting. Um, but like I said, yeah, the main events kind of feel like we know what's going on. And, and you know, the the Frank Martin that is a title eliminator. You know, to, not to talk about you know the belt so much, but there is a chance if Haney does move on that. You know, if Frank Martin comes through, that they may match Frank Martin and De Los Santos. That's kind of the uh, underground rumor. And if you look at the rankings, it kind of lines up. And I mean, you know, at the WBC, you do have Loma number one, you have Shakur. But if they fight for other belts, as we know, that gets you out of the rankings. So that still could line up. Anything from this weekend? I mean, Bob Gardner, I watched that first fight. And, uh, she made it like rough and on the inside and really made it a grinded out type rough and tumbled fight. I'm assuming uh, Alicia Baumgartner will have uh, pivoting. She'll be pivoting a lot more, circling, uh, looking to do probably work to the body if they do tie up. I think she'll look better in this, but considering she lost the first fight, the odds are really long that she's going to like almost walk away with it. You know, Bumgarner, you know, especially for the women's game with the two-minute round, she's shown good power. I think she had Michaela Mayer cautious of her power. And I did. I have seen improvement in her boxing skills in recent fights. So, you know, I, I think with her just throwing enough punches, if she, you know, she's got the pop, especially for the women's game with the two-minute rounds, and her boxing skills seem to me to be improving. So that's probably the big odd separation even after losing the first fight. I just think if she keeps building on things the way she has, she won't have any problem. Uh, and that's kind of the same like with Martin. I think, you know, Martin's really been building a guy that looks great considering he doesn't have really an amateur pedigree, got into boxing a little later on, and he, he's really looked spectacular just with his all-around game. I enjoy watching him fight. I I think he'll continue that. Uh, that's what the odds are showing. I, I think he should continue that. We don't really, nobody, frankly, let's say, really has had a lot of exposure to his opponent. Um, so the way Martin's been fighting, you you would think, unless this guy's a real surprise, uh, Martin's going to uh, stay on the run he's on and, and take him out. Martin looks like a guy that 
uh, stays in good shape and, and comes ready to go and has a good mentality from what we've seen of him so far. So you just want to see him continue that, and that's a good suggestion, Chris, since PBC can make that happen. Uh, De Los Santos with the increased skill level he just showed in this last fight against Adorno and the pop he does have, uh, that would be a good matchup. Uh, that would be a, a very interesting matchup and a fight that could easily be made. And Elvis Rodriguez, you know, he's been resurrecting his career after the stumble against Sims and top rank let him go. He's done a good job of the rebuild. I just, I don't think post stage he's been off what, a year and a half or something like that, uh, and he's been faded anyway. Uh, outside of the Matisse exception, he's never been a puncher. That was that turned out to be the aberration. So I just don't see what he can do, uh, even though there's times Elvis Rodriguez has been a little limited still. At this stage, I just don't see what Postal could do. Really, this, this would be a fight that you would be looking for Rodriguez, who's always had that reputation as a puncher, to get him out of there and look good. So, yeah, I, this pretty much a showcase for Martin and uh, Rodriguez to keep on the roles they've been on recently. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, how far Andy Cruz has come since he started kind of pro-training, too, because, uh, you know, he's got this amateur pedigree. I'm not taking that away from him, but I don't know. Watching his style, it may take a little bit longer to translate to be able to get a, a top-level win. A lot of people just kind of say in the cut, you know, in a year or so, he's going to take over lightweight. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be that easy. Any other items that you'd like to discuss, sir? Just say about Cruz, well, I guess Hearn's really relying on him, and, and we just touched on the, the dire trouble that Matchroom USA and Golden Boy, I think, are in on the zone right now. So that's where it matters. I mean, you know, I mean, Hearn is like with the talk. You know, I've, I've, I've given him that a lot before. He, he's kind of a good showman with the talk, you know, getting on broadcasts kind of talking things up outside of the ring. That's definitely one of his strengths. So he's trying to use that talking up cruise. So, you know, he, I think he's got a lot riding. He needs it, you know, in terms of not, not for his UK game, but, you know, for, for the, the U S game that he's trying to keep going for his own. Yeah, that, that would be huge, especially at, you know, a quote unquote, at the time, present time, glamour, uh, you know, division right. anyway. Right. All right. Well, More. I appreciate you, uh, you know, stopping through, and you have yourself a, a good week and enjoy the fights. Hopefully, you know, sometimes on these low-profile weekends, all of a sudden we get ourselves a fight. Maybe Santiago can upset uh, Nonito Donaire or something like that. Yeah, I think Donaire. I probably didn't touch on that. You know, I like Nonito Donaire, but I think for his age, for that weight, you know, again, like we always say, his choice, but I think it's time to hang it up. So he's not hanging it up. I think, you know, pe- people love him, and, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's had a great career overall, no doubt about that. Uh, I believe that as well. But, you know, I, I think to some degree at bantamweight with, with, with who he's fought, it's been the opposition. He's been kind of fortunate there. Um, and, you know, 
he was able to hang in, go the distance in the first fight with Inouye, then he got absolutely blasted out in the rematch. So the, that the true gap was really shown there. And, you know, as good as Inouye's been still, you know, he just got blasted out of there. Uh, you know, he might be able to get it by a guy like Santiago, but like you said, it's not going to go on forever. And he's he's at a very far advanced age for a bantamweight. Don't, you know, from the outside, it doesn't seem to me like there's really a reason for him to continue, but he's going to do it. But, yeah, it, you know, the wheels could come off at any time. Yeah, very true. You just never know. All right, John, appreciate you uh, calling, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Chris, great being here as always. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too. Take it easy. All right. I'll give my takes a little bit more, uh, you know, from the weekend, um, and then we'll, uh, you know, break down some of this, uh, some of this stuff here as far as, uh, you know, the fights and whatnot uh, on the weekend. And some news, of course. I'm getting all these messages, you know, for the for the news here. Um, a lot of a lot of messages. So we did have um, we did have was it a yeah that was Friday. What am I thinking? That was Friday. Um, Eduardo Hernandez won. Uh, I think there was a split decision draw the uh Jonathan Rodriguez and Israel Gonzalez uh on that card but um Pacheco um Diego Pacheco fought um and you know the guy he fought um Gallegos I thought this was a good fight for him you know dude's not a, a killer but it's not like you should be in with killers at this stage per se right um, round one, you know, the leader counter right hand to the head was doing his thing, uh, for, uh, Pacheco. He started with that. Then the uppercuts with both hands. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty effective. Like I said, you know, he brought some pressure. He was a tough dude. Um, and at this stage, I thought, uh, you know, Gallegos was a good fight for him. I really do. Um, when they were up close, sometimes uh, Pacheco would would land and then kind of clinch, or to stay off the ropes, he would exit the pocket. I like that. Um, I think it was back to back in the fourth round, was it or the third? I think it was the fourth round. Back to back left hooks um, to the body, dropped him. That was pretty nasty. And then it was like a two punch combo for the TKO. So I thought uh, Diego Pacheco looked, looked pretty damn good to me. Um, you know, he's a, uh, what is he, super middleweight, of course. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I thought he did his thing. I thought he looked really good doing it. Um, I was definitely, um, you know, impressed. I definitely liked what I saw uh, out of was, uh, you know, thought that was a pretty good, pretty good performance. On to the Golden Boy uh, card, Eric, what is it, Eric Tudor? Nice. Uh, God, was it Was it a right hand? What was he landing in that fight? I think it was, uh, yeah, it was a right hand that dropped him. Dropped, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? I can't remember who the hell he was fighting. 
Um, oh, Reggie Harris Jr. That's what it was. Reggie Harris Jr. Uh, he, you know, he looked pretty good doing that. And there was uh, that. That was a good fight. Um, that Rodriguez Gonzalez. That was that was a really good fight. And uh, what was that at one fifteen or something like that? Uh, I mean that. I think the one of the best rounds was round five or round six. I didn't score it, but that was uh, good. Jojo Diaz, you know, came in one forty one and a half, while his opponent um, came in at one thirty eight and a half. Missed the weight. No, no, no big secrets there. Jake Donovan said, uh, told jo- Joseph Diaz Jr., who won convincingly over, uh, he's, he's told that he may come back as early as September. Will be his third fight in six months and fourth in less than a year if it pans out. Um, you know, so we'll, uh, we'll see on that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. Um, what else from that? So that, oh yeah, Marlon Asparza and, uh, Gabriela Celis Alanez or whatever. That was a pretty good fight. That was a pretty good fight. I, I, I thought that was competitive. The first part of that fight, um, Asparza, you know, Right off the bat was landing. I mean, the, the key to that fight was the big-ass right hand. She was landing some really good right hands. Um, and and then, so the overhand right and the left hook, and she would just kind of flurry on her. Um, her opponent was, like, busier, but the clear shots, um, like, just busier, like, punch rate, you know. Uh, but the clear shots was Esparza. Um, I thought, you know, she she definitely did enough uh, to win that fight. But it was competitive. It was competitive. And by, like, the fifth and sixth rounds, you could see it kind of felt like her opponent, you know, had a little bit more of the gas tank. They were even saying that, um, Gabriella. So that was that was good. I'm pretty sure it was a – let me see my scorecards. I had uh, Esparza winning, but it was close in the – the scorecards again. Um, I can't remember what the scorecards. It was like it was a that was a majority decision, wasn't it? Yeah, because one of them. Yeah, I think it was uh, 99-91, which I didn't agree with. But ninety-seven, ninety-three. That actually turned out to be a good fight. That could have been the main event, if we're being honest. Um, of course, the main event. Um, you know, was Floyd Schofield against Haskell Rhodes. Um, it went the distance. Um, kind of breaking down that fight, the first, say, two rounds or so, uh, Schofield, obviously the aggressor, these little two-punch combinations. He was coming out really early and often. He came out right away. Um, I thought in the round three, he started jabbing a little bit better. He jabbed fairly well. Um, round four, he was loading up on shots. Um, started to get hit a little bit more. Um, there was like, a, I think a right hook to the body late in that fourth round that did some damage. And then like rounds five to like seven, um, Haskell or Haskell, was it Rhodes Haskell? Is that what his name is? Haskell Rhodes. I mean, he was jabbing, moving a lot, um, kind of ducking out a punching range Kind of just on the, I'm just trying to survive, trying to get through this stuff type type mode. 
wasn't really there to to win the fight per se. But um, I think it was the seventh round in the second half of the second part of the second round or the seventh round, excuse me. I think that was the knockdown, right? I think it was a left hook. Um, I think it was after a right hand to the to the head. He went down hard, though. Like, Rose went down hard in that one. Um, and then he just started really unloading Schofield, dude. Unloading with hooks, roundhouse rights, uppercuts. There was a second knockdown in there. And there was two different takedowns by Rose, too. He was, he was like, trying to double leg takedown. I think it was uh, in the eighth round, a left hook to the body caused the knockdown. That was a good shot. Really, really great timing on that shot, by the way. And I think, what was it? Was it the 10th? No, I think it was the ninth where that head clash happened. But Schofield had a kind of a nasty cut on his eye, or below his eye, I should say. But, um, you know, he did his thing. He definitely did his thing. Um, I still think It'll be interesting to see how they move them, you know. Um, I still think they could move them, you know, somewhat cautiously. But I wouldn't, you know, you don't want to, I don't know, you don't want to, you want to challenge them and stuff like that. I'm not saying don't challenge them or nothing like that. Um, But as far as, oh, that Dominican fighter landed a great, was it the first round? Was it Siendo or Sendino? Sendeno? I forgot. But he scored a first-round knockout. And I think that guy was unbeaten, wasn't he? That was nasty. And, and from, Actually, someone just sent me it. On boxing, not boxing scene, but box rec, they got him fighting in about a month on the undercard. Well, actually, hold on. Uh Interesting. So there's a there's August fourth six rounder um, in Bethlehem, not that Bethlehem, Wind Creek events, and then the other one is in Philly, and it says, and this is just box rec. It says so. There's going to be a a live casino in Philly. There's going to be a Philly fight. I mean, this is what Boxrec says, so I don't, I don't know. But he did. I wanted to highlight him. He did score a nice knockout um, on that card uh, as well. So I definitely wanted to to say that. And I'm getting a, you know, I'm going to get to the news in just a little bit. Uh, so let's just, you know, take a deep breath there. Um, as far as, like I said, this weekend, um, you know, the DAZN card, obviously. You know, what is it? Three fights now that are off that card. I think I think that's I think that's right. Three different fights are off on that card. So, um, you know, Hitchinson, Montana Love. We knew that Castro, Mark Castro, just got taken off the card. I think he got injured or whatever. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, that main event though, anywhere from a plus, Christina's a plus 600, all the way up to plus 750. Um, and Baumgartner has improved in all that, don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm a tad bit surprised that's not a little bit closer, um, to be honest with you. 
Because, like I said, I remember watching that fight, and Alicia was just getting crowded. She, you know, I mean, it was a little while ago now. I, I realized that. I mean, actually quite a while ago. I think, well, it was for sure uh, before COVID. Was that 18 or 19? I can't remember. But it was a while ago. And she's looked obviously great since then. Um, but that, like I said, that was a close-ass fight, dude. In the scorecards, she lost a split decision. All of them, I believe, were 75, 77, 75, if I remember correctly. Um, so I just think that they're going to be ready. I really do. I think that they're just going to be, you know, her and uh, Tony Harrison going to be ready for whatever she brings. And I, and I look for her to just create more space, pivot, maybe hold if you have to. We know Jermaine Franklin has a does have – uh, beyond the Andy Cruz, Juan Carlos Burgos, which I think is a great opponent for your pro debut, um, Franklin is on that card now against Gutierrez, an unbeaten uh, heavyweight, um, who you know really doesn't have uh, any kind of big win or something like that. But because um, otherwise he wasn't going to be on the card, right? Unless something happened to his opponent, so. If you look at it, yeah, I, I I think Frank should handle his business. This dude is an Olympian, this Artrim guy. Um, you know, maybe you put a, a flyer out of my at, at plus 750. But I do think Frank, I, I feel like Frank Martin's going to win the fight. I don't think that's, you know, going out on a limb. Um, but, you know, this uh, this dude, you know, coming in with the pedigree, he did beat uh, Gallendo, Gallendo the Umberto. In his last fight, the dude who actually dropped a rising uh, – didn't he drop um, Murtaya? Yeah, Murtaya. So he dropped him early, um, and then he got – obviously got dropped, what, uh, just once or twice, and then got stopped. But he got dropped, I know, to the body, like in the fourth round. But my point is, you know, that's a, it's a, you know, he definitely showed his worth in that one. Uh, I, I remember seeing the fight. He cleanly, you know, won that fight. He knocked out um, an unbeaten prospect, uh, Molina, Samuel Molina, uh, if I remember correctly. He knocked him out. He really knocked him out. I think wasn't he out out in that one? Um, so. This guy, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll maybe he'll put up some performance that we're not ready for. I will say this though. One thing I'm noticing, I'm on box rec, and it sometimes this stuff happens where a fight was there and then it's not, and then it. Remember a couple weeks ago for the Armory show, there was supposed to be Perella, and um, the guy who had a draw with with Fundora. Why am I forgetting his name? Anyway, that was supposed to be on the undercard. Then it's gone. I'm on box right, right now, and I don't see Nonito, Donaire, and Santiago listed. Okay? Now, like I said, Elvis Rodriguez and Victor Postal, I don't have a problem with that fight. It's a decent fight. Rodriguez has to just throw enough punches to win rounds. He should win it. If you're going to sit there and, and, and try to land the perfect punch or something like that, Victor Postal can mess with you. He can keep the, the, the fight, you know, close, competitive. 
Um, he's only been stopped once. And to be honest with you, it wasn't a great stoppage. That was uh, Antoine Russell, right? So that wasn't a good stoppage. But before that, um, and he doesn't have many fights recently, right? It's been over a year since he fought. Prior to that, he hadn't fought since 2020 when he took on Ramirez, but that was a good fight. He had a somewhat competitive fight with Josh Taylor. The only time he's really just been, you know, easily beaten was Terrence Crawford after that first round. And I'm not saying he was beating Russell because he wasn't. But he had some, you know, down the stretch of that fight, he had some success. I definitely don't think he that was should have been a stoppage, though. But, yeah, it's really just... You know, I'm not saying just be over aggressive and fall right into Victor Postel's trap. He's a good quality, fundamental fighter, but you got to move your hands and be active enough to make sure you know who won the round. And, you know, Elvis within certain fights and just in general can be, you know, not that competitive at times. Well, not competitive, but he'll just leave something on the table where you're like, dude, you know, whether he gasses or whatever, right? I think he does get tired in the second half of fights. So I wouldn't be surprised if Postal started turning it up down the stretch. But I like Rodriguez uh, by decision. I like, uh, I do think, um, I mean, maybe Martin puts on a show and knocks him out of that Archer dude. Maybe, but I, I don't see that. I think uh, Bob Gardner will win by decision as well. Um, coming off of, uh, well, actually, this Santiago had that majority decision loss to Gary Antonio Russell, which that was a close fight. It, it, you know, that was a little while ago. Um, it's probably like a year and a half ago or something. He did beat um, Carmona and Nayev. Uh, I think it's Nayev, right? That's how you say that? Nayev, Nayev, Antonio. He, uh, that, that, I think that fight got stopped, actually, but... This dude's a pretty good uh, Alexander Santiago. You know, he's lost three times, but he's never been stopped. And we know Donaire's got that, you know, that left hook. Or, sorry, the left, left hand in general, straight left or whatever, um, where he can lead or counter or it's there, right? And, and he's always going to be there. But, I mean, right now at BetMGM, Santiago's a plus 160. And the rest of it, let's see plus 125, plus 134, you know, that's that tells you that they kind of believe in this dude a little bit. And maybe they think Donaire's past it or whatever. I mean, not like, I don't know, he looks so good after those two, you know, once he went down in weight, he put on, um, you know, he put on a good performance, even though he did. I thought people kind of overdid that fight uh, with him in Inouye. He pushed him and stuff, but could have been stopped even earlier than that. But my point is, came back Ubalabi and uh, I got another good win over Gabayo. Um, then, you know, about a year ago, a little, a little over a year ago, was I think it was last June, he, he got stopped quick uh, by Inouye. So maybe people are just thinking, you know, it's time. Nodito's finally going to show some, you know, some some age, more age, I should say. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's it's interesting. It, it, I'm not sure about that one. I, I think 
I don't know. Let me actually let me look real quick. Let me look. I, I like Donaire in the fight. Don't get me wrong. But I could have sworn that he was already scheduled, but it's not on box right now. And I'm not seeing anybody with any kind of breaking news, so I'll just break it right here. He is no longer on the fight. No, I'm not going to break it like that because I, I don't know. But uh, it, it's weird. Now, maybe it, it wasn't actually on the card, you know, or on the box rack, and I just, I just don't know. Um, but it's, it's supposed to be on the card. It's supposed to be on the card. The WBC just did a damn preview thing a day ago, so sometimes it just, you know, it goes that way. Sometimes it just goes that way. Um, and it just it just happens where all of a sudden he'll pop up on there. But I like Donaire in the fight, long story short, but I don't know, man. I mean, I've seen the Santiago, pretty, pretty tough dude. He might be able to do some damage here. He might be able to do a little bit of damage. Maybe he'll catch him with something early. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's just recency bias, you know, bias recency where you're like, man, this kid, it's like you kind of look at it and then you go, huh, interesting, you know. Why why do they think it's going to be so close? Because the last time we saw he got knocked out by, a, you know, a better fighter. That's not anything to, you know, get all weirded out about. That's for damn sure. You know, I mean, it's it's freaking, you know, it's anyway. Anyway, um, that's about it for the weekend. Like I said, we'll see how this weekend plays out. But as far as, like, competitive fights on paper, as long as that stays there, Donaire and Santiago by far is the most competitive on paper. Really looking forward to see what Elvis Rodriguez has to to see if he can, uh, you know, improve upon his uh, performance. So AJ Dillian White, it is what it is. If Wilder is indeed next, then I I really don't care. If I'm being honest, um, I really don't care if, if 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 that's what's next. If that's what's next, I don't know if that's for sure, but if that's next, then who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Um, it's going to sell over there. They said they're already doing a nice gate. Uh, is it at the O2? I think it's at the O2. Um, and basically three out of those four fighters that the Saudis were looking to do, the skills challenge, remember Fury Usyk and AJ and Wilder, but once, you know, they, none of them really, skill challenge didn't really want any of them to fight. But then again, you do go a long time without fighting. Um, and once AJ was pretty much hell-bent on wanting to fight again, I'll say, you know, maybe they just said, screw it. You know, who cares? Let's let's just push it back. There is news about a potential pushing this stuff back to January now. But AJ's got a fight. He's taking it. It's over. He's going to take it. Like I said, does that push back? The, the A.J. Wilder fight, I guess, you know, I'd assume it was. Fury fighting an exhibition um, against not a pro boxer. It is what it is, you know. Um, I don't think there's a lot of Fury fans that say this is just like McGregor, 
Mayweather. It's really not just like that. I get the supposedly it's going to – we don't know if it's going to count as a pro record or on his pro record, but they're saying it's not an exhibition. I really don't know. The, the reason why it's different, well, because, you know, Mayweather had been out of the ring for almost two years. He didn't have scheduled fights. He wasn't in negotiations with folks. You know, it's not like he had a fight and they were talking about it and then it went to Bolivia. The money fight, I get it, you know, but usually, you know, once fighters are retired, then it is what it is. You can do whatever you want, you know. I'd much rather have a retired fighter fighting an exhibition than getting his ass kicked when he's over the hill. But Tyson Fury's not over the hill. And after that Wilder fight, maybe this will do his body some good for healing. But, you know, he came back, um, what was that, October 2021, where he fought in a crazy fight with Wilder in that trilogy. Came back, beat, you know, handled Dillian White, knocked him out. Then fought Chisora in December, and, and, you know, him and Usyk going back and forth, 70-30. Usyk, his side saying you have to donate a million dollars to Ukraine. All sorts of weird stuff happening with that. But I guess since, you know, Usyk and Dubois, or Dubois are going to fight with that purse big then, then they just thought, well, screw it. We'll give money to Fury. We'll give him we'll give him, we'll give him, He's going to fight, oh boy, the MMA guy. So I'm happy for the MMA guy. He gets paid and whatnot. But I don't say it's exactly like Mayweather McGregor. Obviously, it's not exactly as far as how big it's going to be. This isn't going to touch Mayweather McGregor. But if Saudi's putting up that kind of money, Fury gets a training camp, gets some sort of fight, whatever rules it's going to be. We'll go over some of the rules. So it is what it is. I'm not happy about it especially when you had, like, it kind of be like, you know, in a sense, Floyd Manny not fighting, or, or, you know, like, it's like the lineal, we could, not just lineal, I look at Fury as the lineal, not Usyk, but whatever. The thing is, the undisputed, to just get it done. We've been waiting for undisputed to heavyweight since, like, 2018, right, when Wilder and uh, AJ, or, yeah, AJ started talking and negotiating, and a lot of that was public. And Tyson Fury's big public uh, negotiator now. But it is what it is. You know, if he fights uh, Usyk next, and he's like, well, shit, I mean, I'm not going to wait around, be out of the ring for a year. I get it. I mean, it's huge money, I'm sure, for a fight he should easily win. Now, if he fights Usyk next, then who cares ultimately, right? It's like a, it's a promo for it. it you know, whatever. Um, just like AJ, if AJ beats White, or, or you know, gets by White and Wilder's next, okay, no big deal. You know, he got soundly beat twice against Usyk. Comes back, has two fights. The thing about AJ is, obviously, we know he's got a new trainer and whatnot. But I don't mind this fight. No, I'm not. I wouldn't buy it on pay per view, but. I don't mind the fight because a lot, let's be honest, a lot of people 
once he even lost to Ruiz, but especially after the Usyk fight, were saying don't even rematch either guy, right? Flashback to 2019, a lot of people saying, hey, go back to the drawing board, right? And he did to an extent, right, because he came out boxing in the rematch. But two separate times in his career, people have said, hey, man, take a fight or two. You know, don't jump into something big. So I really don't mind this, you know, because by the time he gets another big fight, if in fact the Wilder fights next, or maybe the Fury fight, who the fuck knows, um, then he'd have two full camps and have a third camp before the fight. It is what it is, you know. Now, Andy Ruiz came out and answered what Wilder said. Now, as we know, Andy Ruiz Sr. came out, or his dad came out, I should say, and said some stuff about Wilder. Some of it was kind of like, are you sure, dude? <laughs> you know, some of it, they're just trying to get more money, whatever. Yeah, It is, it's negotiations, right? However, Andy came out with a message and Wilder answered. So here's the message, okay? Oops. Oh, oh, I messed it up. Hold on. No, same motherfucking Wilder. You're mad. Wow. Fuck, man. Man, why are you mad for? Just my dad's trying to look out for me? Like, wants the best for me? Trying to get me as much money as I can? Come on, man. There's no reason to be fucking mad about that. Talking about that I'm fat, I got short arms. You know, fast. That's what everybody thinks. That's what everybody says until they meet me inside the ring. Guess what? This fucking fat, chubby kid is about to humble your fucking ass down. Let's get it, baby. Come on. Here's wild. Big boy. Look, man, we don't have to go back and forth with all this talking, bro. I know what the deal is and the real is, and you know what the deal and the real is as well. You know, the only people mad is you. It's you guys. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't call you. Y'all called us. I didn't harass you about fire. You guys harassed us about fire. You know what I mean? We wasn't in no desperate need of fight. You guys was in a desperate need of fight. Y'all, you wouldn't have never called call out for him in the first place. You called my brother Malik, desperately trying to get a fight on. Got in touch with me. Saw me at the fights. Desperately tried to fight me. Hey, I said, hey, cool. Let's make it happen. We'll get back with you. We got back with you guys. With my team, guys. With my team, with your team. And now it's time to put it all together. Who acting scared? It ain't me. You know, because what y'all talk about is uh, unreasonable. Let's face it. And it is what it is. So when you're serious, holler at me until then. Do what you're doing, bro. You got a lot of weight to lose, man. You can talk that talk, but only a few walk that walk. You know what I mean? So if you want to see a, what a, a knockout feel like, get your brain splattered. Okay, okay. We're going to stop right there. Um, And maybe that's what it is. Um, sure, you could make the argument that maybe he's just uh, trying to get in shape and take off some of those LBs, LBSs, you know, take out some pounds and then start camp. It could be. 
It could be. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. But, um... <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, but uh, like I said earlier, um, and I got some, some pushback on this. I mean, right now, Andy would be the best fight out of all these four guys I mentioned, Fury Usyk and AJ and Wilder. Andy Ruiz and Wilder would be the best fight. I think that's a legit fight. Um, I don't think he's as washed as Dillian White right now. Um, and like I said, I didn't even mind that fight considering, right? Considering. It's all considering, right? We don't really know exactly. Um, and Eddie Hearn told Talk Sport, someone sent me this too, and I was going to talk about this, okay? I always, I always do. Eddie Hearn has declared that Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder is now locked in for December in Saudi as long as he comes through. But we've also heard that it may push back to January now. So, you know what I mean? Really don't know. If we're being honest, really don't know. Uh, there was talk about, you know, that the boxing day is gone as far as that doubleheader thing. I never 100% believed that, but that's gone. Um, they were talking about December 26th. Uh, maybe it's January 27th now. Uh, maybe they'll do that. Maybe it'll just be one fight at a time. I really don't know. If we're being honest, I don't know. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, more talk, though. Um, I think that, yeah, WBC president Mauricio Solomon has revealed that he granted Fury a special permission for October 28th. He will not be stripped. Okay? Um, now, would he get the lineal? Yeah, if he lost, he Francis get the lineal. Um, Frank Warren said to Talk Sport um, on why it's happening this fight. Uh, why did you make the fight? Because we tried to make the fight with Usyk. We tried to make it with Joshua. Neither of them wanted it. Um, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, he said some other stuff too. You know, um, you know some quotes. Some other people sent me this. They said it's not an exhibition, but they're unsure whether it will count as an official boxing record. Well, if it doesn't go on Fury's shit, and he added that the, the, the actual WBC won't be on the, the line. But if, it, if you don't know if it's not going to go on your record, then it's probably an exhibition. But he also said this will be a war. It's got war written all over. It's a, it's a game changer. Here we are in a super fight. Tyson is at his best when he's breaking news. Boundaries and the event is one of a kind. History will be made. Yeah, yeah, okay, all that, all that stuff. Sure. Like I said, get your money. Maybe it's just getting a camp, a camp in and a fight in, and, and then he'll be ready to go first quarter for Usyk. I don't know. But what I'll say about Fury is, if he doesn't fight Usyk for big – listen. If Saudi's willing to give you big-ass money to fight this dude, then that means they're willing to probably give you more money. And the one thing that I've said multiple times over the last six months or whatever with the skills challenge, they don't negotiate. Here's the deal. There's a grip of money. Take it or leave it. And, it, you know, the two major fights they had, uh, the rematch with Ruiz, 
in the rematch with you know Joshua and Ruiz, the rematch with Usyk, the two fights they had, the reports, even if they're like three fourths of the report, you know, or even half, really, they're fucking huge money. So this is Dan Raphael. Uh, oh, he starts it if it is an actual official fight, as I'm being told, but not confirmed. Okay, so it's not really a report. In uh, theory, should should to it. Fury should to in the 10-rounder, while WBC won't be, that would have to be 12. Uh, he would, okay, so if it is a 10-rounder, right, uh, we know the WBC won't be at stake, who gives a shit, but he would he would lose his lineal. Yeah, that doesn't really clear anything up, really. Uh, by the way, UK fight fans, Spence Crawford is on TNT pay-per-view in the UK. Um, and for U.S. fans, it's not that TNT. It's BT Sport just uh, tweaked their, their shit. So they're, they're actually that now. Um, so there you go. You do have that. Speaking of Fury, August 16th, um, Netflix. Netflix is going to do a series on him. So you know, good for him. Good for him. Now, um, and by the way, that same with the the Usyk uh, Dubois, that's going to be on TNT over there too. Now on to this Haney stuff. Okay, we got a couple of things to cover here. Um, Shakur even said that I was offered the fight to fight Haney, but I'd have to have a twenty five percent. Does that mean that's for sure a pay per view? That sounds like it. Right, because you're not really talking about uh, percentages or even a back end percentage or 25. You know, what is the purse? Is it? Is it? Is it? I don't think it's Dizelle. I think it'd be ESPN. Some people think Haney is offering this money. Uh, you know, maybe, but I, my guess is it's ESPN if they're dealing with Shakur. Um, but I don't know. I really don't know. But the thing is, if it is just maybe it's the Saudi. Maybe it's skill challenge, right? Could be. But if it is Haney's money and they're going to do an independent one, that's not the best thing to do independently. I did get some messages saying he's going to do it independent. It's his money. We've seen even with the zone who had real money when they tried to sell pay-per-views and all that. They got a billionaire backing them. And like I said, Saudi's got money too. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, they just couldn't reach the masses to get the message out that, hey, go to the zone and buy the shit. So that's kind of shaky if it is just that. But I don't know. I really – I have no clue, man. I, I don't know. Um, Shakur had a tweet saying, I finally feel bud. I get what y'all was doing to my brother over the years. So now it's like, woe is me. Um, and remember that whole purse bid, the potential purse bid thing? With uh, Jamel Herring and how uh, Herring, you know, was the champ, but the purse split, uh, you know, it was 30, it was 63 to 37. Uh, and he said, it's just business. Uh, remember, I remember that. I do remember that. I saw people talking about that on Twitter. And then people are saying, you know, like I talked about the Cambosis thing, you know, the, are you, are you, Remember, Loma had a deal for Cambosis, but then he was doing uh, Border Patrol for the U.K., 
or not the UK, the Ukraine during the war. And, and so basically, you know, Haney said, Hey, I'll just take the same exact deal or whatever. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and Huey P brought up the WBC basically breaking down, uh, basically breaks down 63-27 split with the 10% remaining for the winner. Of course, it's the discretion of, you know, to change that or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know what the hell the, I really don't know what, we don't know what it is. We don't know the money and stuff like that. So should he take it? If the upfront money is $4 million or something like that, then, yeah, he probably should take it. Because if he feels he, he can be undisputed, then he could take over. So, yeah, if he, if, he, if he thinks he can win and it's a solid upfront, you know, number, then, yeah, go for it. I don't know. Like I said, is it coming from Skills Challenge? Are they going to be offering without Haney not signing a contract? I don't know. I know Top Rank was going to, you know, offer him. We know Haney has an offer, and we'll keep moving there. Um, you know, hey, well, okay, on the WBC thing, so he he's saying, hey, I I, I want to be, you know, I want to become the mandatory, but he's not even number one. Lomachenko's number one. So maybe, like I said, if you look at how it's set up, they can both get belts and then unify it. I'm talking about Stevenson and uh, – Loma, um, it appears, I've went over this before, Isak Cruz is in range. And that's all about what David Devin Haney's going to do. And speaking of, this kind of runs into Haney Progray, the WBC, uh, a little while back, a few days back, officially ordered Regis Progress to defend his 140 belt WBC against Sandor Mark. However, they allowed an exemption for Progray and Devin Haney which was, quote-unquote, close on AFL TV. Eddie Hearn revealed it's close. Um, so that's what Eddie Hearn said, right? That's what Eddie said. Let's hear what the fighter has to say when it comes to that. Um, actually, you know what? I think I just messed it up. I had the audio ready, and I think I messed it up. But basically he's saying, show me the money. Uh, that's what Regis is saying. Right now, he doesn't feel like that money is, is – he needs more money to make that fight is basically what, what he was saying. I'm not, you know, putting words in, in Progray's mouth or anything like that. Um, actually, here, 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 here. Here we go. Everybody calls me out, so, you know, right now I'm a, I'm a high commodity right now, so, you know, we'll see. Eddie Hurst said it, uh, he's working on you and Devin, and I love the fight. I hope that I absolutely love that fight, too. Only thing about that, you gotta pay me. That's it. You gotta pay me. I love the fight, but I'm a champ. You gotta pay me. You gotta pay me. And um, you know, so far I don't know how much I can say, but you know, so far, they, you know, they ain't talking about that. Well, there you go. Now, so he says, so far the money's not there. Is basically what he just said. So far the money's not there. Um, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? I really don't know. Um, so, you know, that'd be fucked up if Rogan was fighting Sandor Martin. If he fought the dude he just fought, then Sandor Martin, and then what? Richard Hitman? It's just like, oh, God, Rogan, why did you sign with top rank for the fucking piece? If he ends up with Sandor Martin, jeez, 
he's how much are they going to pay him there? I know he's got a minimum, so he's going to get that. But uh, shush. And like you said, that that's stylistic. I mean, it's not all that different than his last fight, as far as the guy staying away from and trying to win. Now, I think Martin's better than his last fight, but I don't know. Um, and I did get some pushback on the Thurman Ugas winner. I'm not saying, when did I say that's official, right? But we know Al Hayman, we know PBC, we know Showtime. They try to keep it close to the vest, okay? So from all signs that that fight's going to happen, it's just a matter of time. You know, there's fights we've heard about for a while. In fact, here's some news. Um, Sabril Matias and uh, Lipinet are going to fight. Uh, Salvador Rodriguez, Chava ESPN, and he said it on his own, I think, Instagram, right? I think it was IG. That's a banger of a fight. I was talking to Broadway. That's out to Broadway. Joel, the voice of the Dominican boxing, he was saying, uh, you know, it's probably, he didn't say it was going to be in Minneapolis, but it, it seems like they just had him here in February, and they just probably come back. You know, he probably come right back. Um, but that's a banger of a fight. That's a fun fight to watch. Um, so that that's that's some breaking news there, to an extent anyway. Oh, by the way, I think Dan Raphael said this. Uh, WBA President Gilberto Mendoza has said Stanonius is the WBA Mando for Spence and Crawford. He says uh, Virgil Ortiz, uh, that, that fight um, – He's been removed as a mandatory for Stanonius. So, you know, I don't know. I really, I, you know. But by the way, William Zapata is fighting Mercito Hesta um, on the zone. Location still to be determined. This is Jake Donovan, September 9th. And Hesta got that win over JoJo, so that's why he's getting a fight there. The WBA, speaking of, um, now has scheduled a purse bid for O'Hara Davies and Roley Romero um, Monday, July 24th, um, 75-25 in Roley's favor because he's the quote-unquote champ. Um, According to Coppinger, sounds like uh, Jared Anderson bouncing right back against Rudenko August 26th. Sounds like he's going to be on that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I see the ESPN Plus thing. I see what uh, John was talking about. The main event follows the Usyk-Dubois Unified. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Now, who is this guy that he's fighting? Today I watched the fight where he, quote, unquote, got TKO'd uh, two fights ago against uh Serenko. First of all, suck. There's a high, there's like a two minute highlight video. Check it out. It's a horrible the, the the music's all dramatic and shit, right? It's super dramatic. But um nothing's really happening in the fight whatsoever. <laughs> right? And then they just stop it. It's like, oh by the way, it stopped. The fight's over. But this dude, um two thousand nineteen excuse me, nineteen went the distance with Zhang. Even won some rounds. I saw that fight. I did see him against Povekin, but he went 12 rounds against Povekin, too. 
and he went against that Caballo. He went 10 or 12 rounds with him. So considering he's going to make, you know, a quick turnaround, I like this fight. I don't mind the fight. I don't mind this fight at all. I think it's a good turnaround, quick turnaround type fight. He's staying busy. No problems at all, in my in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I don't have a problem. Um, someone sent me that Haney. Yeah, we know he made an offer. I mean, we just, I just played it. I just played it. Maybe you weren't paying attention. Um, but a lot of has been made made about that Cambosis. Remember that big ass number, that ten million that was reported, and it, it actually turned out to be more like three million or something like that. Um, or four million, or, or two point something. Um, that's what I'm saying. We can't, you can't believe the numbers right off the bat. Cambosas, I believe, got three point eight million, or, or three to four million, and I think like two and a half to three, somewhere in there, two point eight or something like that was Haney. That's what I think it was, something like that. It wasn't ten million, that's for sure. Um. So Hector Lopez, the trainer of uh, Rocha, uh, the WBO's number one contender, told uh, Mannix that Rocha is ready to face Stanonius in his next fight. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Badu Jack is reportedly set to challenge Rosansky for you know his bridgeweight belt, or for yeah for his that Rosansky that bridgeweight belt uh, in Saudi this year. So. There you go. Um, oh, Thompson. Okay, some sad news. Thompson, Thompson Boxing bids a farewell after 23 memorable years of promoting boxing in California. It's called One Last Time. So, shouts out to Thompson Boxing. That sucks for you. The next high, high, uh, highest rated, this is Danny. What's up, Danny? Uh, Dan, the boxing man. Um, great follow, by the way. Looking at the IBF rankings, he says Cody Crawley is the next highest-rated contender. Maybe that would be the fight next. Maybe. Maybe. Um, what else we got? Yeah, I know Estrada was going off there for a second. Okay, here's some big news. <laughs> uh, Eddie Hearn has stated, this is boxing news, uh, stated that he expects an official decision Connor Ben's UCAT case to be made this week. If he's cleared, the plan is September 23rd, uh, either Wembley or uh, Tottenham Stadium. Also, in that same interview, Eddie has declared that they're now going to make an official offer to Anthony Yard to challenge Dimitri Bivol. Interesting. Uh, Felix Cash in Austin. Williams and Austin will fight a WBA eliminator uh, on the undercard of Joshua White. That's a pretty good fight. I, I like that fight. I don't see anything wrong with that fight whatsoever. Uh, this is Boog Williams, uh, that Bakram, I think it's Bakram Murtazaliev and Jack Klokhev IBF interim title. Remember, that's the dude who kept taking step-aside money uh, for Jermell. He kept stepping aside. He kept stepping aside. Um, 
Oh, yeah. And speaking of staying busy, uh, Murtaya is going to take on an unbeaten guy, but pretty untested, Diego Torres. Uh, August 12th as the chief support co-feature for Navarrete Valdez. So that, that's a good fight, staying busy. I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, and then Cordenia is going to return September 30th in Cardiff, whether it's uh, Barrett, Zelfa Barrett, I think it is. Um, what we know is not going to be Oshaki Foster. There's another dude, uh, uh, it's a Mexican dude, I can't remember now. Also, Eddie Hearn, IFL TV, Wood Warrington at Shelf, Sheffield uh, Arena. It's likely that it's going to be there. Interesting. Um, what was I? Oh, yeah, this, this is what I was talking about. Stan Elias, he said, I will land, you know, in his hometown. You will hear all the truth. I will burn all bridges, but social media networks will also explode. Hashtag proud Lithuanian. So he's saying, hey, I know more about this. Than others. Another August 12th card, Dan Raphael reported that, um, um, and this was just the first bid, Melvin Lopez and Manuel Rodriguez for the vacant IBF 118 title, and then Gary Antoine Russell is going to fight that Kent Cruz, which whatever. Um, but Trayvon Marshall against Gabriel Mestri, Mestri, that due to the WBA in Minneapolis, that commission totally fucked. What's his toes? Fox. I like that fight for Marshall, though. That's a good fight. Um, Eddie Hearn has also declared that he wants to make Oshaki Foster versus Rocky Hernandez. Foster is a free agent. Hernandez is a mat, uh, is a mandatory, and he's with Matchroom. Jake Donovan is what he said. I don't get how Rocky Hernandez is still the WBO Mando if this team doesn't want the fight. That was already supposed to be next. Foster wants Unify versus Cordenia. And basically, you know, I remember Eddie Hearn talking about this, that they, he thinks that they need another fight or two to kind of build that fight so there's enough money in it. Um, Foster and Cordenia. Because Cordenia was kind of pissed. He was like, hey, dude, they keep telling me i got to fight someone from Europe, but I'm trying to unify, you know. So it is what it is. Hopefully, you know, hopefully that gets over the line. I don't know. We'll see. Um, oh, here's some more Jake Donovan. WBO has ordered Arnold Barboza and Jose Ramirez, the bank at 140-pound title. Uh, there is room for Tiafima Lopez to immediately challenge the winner. Um, but uh, boxing scene, um, they have confirmed sanctioning body has declared that the vacant belt will be at stake should that fight move forward. He was saying that there's going to be a story to come. Um, so, so they're trying to make, you know, some movement when it comes to that. We'll see. By the way, HBO, two-part documentary on Oscar De La Hoya, streaming on Max, right? July 24th. So that's, that's dope. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be that's going to be good. Um, let's see. Do they have that story up? Yeah, here, here it is. Okay. This is kind of interesting. Lopez Haney given 24 hours to challenge the ruling of the WBO Arnold Barboza and Jose Ramirez. 
WBO is prepared to crown the 140 champion at, you know, the WBO, but he said sort of Jake Donovan. Um, They've confirmed, has ordered the fight. The next 24 hours will determine whether such a fight will be for the vacant title or if the belt, in fact, is up for grabs. Okay. So please be advised, WBO, hereby commencing negotiations on the subject matter about the parties herein are herein are granted 20 days upon notice of the order to reach an agreement or a purse bid will be called, of course. Notwithstanding the above, on June 10, 2023, Lopez, he won the WBO. Um, immediately after, Tiafimo manifest publicly that he wanted to his desire to relinquish the WBO. Now, if the committee determines to declare blah, 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 decides to fight. So if he decides to fight considering the circumstances, uh, they'll, they'll figure it out, a personal affairs type shit. Um, the executive you know, committee member, it's all mumbo jumbo, to be honest with you. Uh, but where's Haney come into this? So the sanctioning body accepted the contact, but the executive committee has called for something more official. So, <laughs> he's on the clock. Tia Fimo personally has 24 hours upon this thing. So he basically has to say, are you fighting or not? If not, we're going to strip you. So, if that, that 24 hours goes by, it elapses, no confirmation on behalf of Tio, then it will be declared vacant. If he wants to fight for it, confirms in writing that he's retaining it, uh, then the negotiation you know, will be whatever. So now, what's the Haney shit got to do with this now? Not sure. Blah blah blah. Give me some. Mm-hmm. Haney personally has 24 hours upon issuing issuing the notice to confirm and writing WBO championship whether he will move. Oh, whether he'll move up to face Arnold Barbosa. Oh, did that get called and I just missed it? Whatever. Whatever. This is just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Um. Oh, so for what is a really good fight, Bam Rodriguez against Sonny Edwards. I believe Tom Gray and another person in the Ring Magazine, you know, for the for the rankings and, and to decide the, their lineal belts. I think it's a bullshit debate, but they had a debate, and to me, it's like what the fuck. But number one against number four, they want to do Bam and Sonny. Unification, I guess, and it's a great fight, which I do like the matchup a whole lot. It is a very good fight, but they're trying to. They were debating, and I believe Tom Gray wanted it. Number one against number four, not one and three, which we've seen sometimes. Usually it's one and two, sometimes one and three, but one and four. Not many, but some people said, "Yeah, that should be the their for their belt, for their linear lineal belt." To me, that's just wild, dude. Like, one against four? Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? It just, I don't know. Anyway, boxing Twitter, let's let's finish it off, and then we'll get out of here. Haney telling all of us he's waiting on tank fight. So if y'all want to skip the line, 20% is defeat. This is why I think Haney and tank is most likely going to happen. Uh, he won't see them sanctioning beans fighting them anymore. Okay, blah, blah, blah. So Derek James told uh, Marcos, <clears throat> from 
Fight Hub that come in at like 163, 164, which obviously that's really smart. There's no point in doing that. Um, here's here's this dev dude, Dev Sahani. He said, in their primes, credit to both Fury and Francis for not waiting three or four years until the end of their careers for a little mess about an ex- exhibition fight. They are having a proper boxing match in their primes trying to knock each other out. So, you know, this fight could have been marinated for three or four years, and it would have been way bigger. But they're in their, you know, they're in their prime, so we should give them credit. It's like, dude, come on, dude. Calm down, man. Uh, this box rack gray. Virgil was putting on close to 20 pounds overnight back in 2020 against Samuel Vargas. Crazy. He thought he could stick around 147. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of weight if that's true. Uh, Albert Baker. I'm handling Virgil Ortiz's career. If I'm handling it, he said recover. Once he recovers, have three or four tune-ups. Start at 168 with winnable fights and then gradually go down. It's not the craziest thing. Man. I, I actually, I'm not totally against that. I think that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good call. Um, but, yeah, some dude on Twitter is trying to say, you know, this dude, the MMA fighter, has a more powerful punch than Wilder. So it's more dangerous fight, reputation-wise. And Huey P, he's not. Wilder and Francis knock people out in similar ways. The difference is one doing it at 265-plus with two or with four-ounce gloves, and the other one, 215, with 10-ounce gloves. It's not 8-ounce. It's 10-ounce at 215, 220. Yeah, it's a little different. It's a little different. Anyway, um, enjoy the week and the weekend. Like I said, sometimes we get some of these weekends that come around, and we these fights just pop off, and they're better than we think. Let's hope we get it. Otherwise, uh, we'll talk next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have your upper hand. So now, when, if you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you come to the champion, like, you know what, that made it. That will show you it's this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.